if you can think of any other podcast that features octopus allergy, kinky tickling, giving people the finger in more ways than one, and multiple head injuries, let us know. Because until then, Cybers and Cigarettes is where it's all at. Le panda sabe. Le panda sabe. Le panda, le panda, le panda. Le panda sabe. Le panda sabe. Le panda sabe. Hello and welcome to Sidebirds and Cigarettes, a Loop on the Third podcast. A podcast about a a monkey-faced thief, his friends, and their many adventures. Throughout this podcast, we'll be covering all the animated and live-action entries in the the Loop on the Third franchise, as well as their connections to Monkey Punch's original manga. This is our second attempt at both recording and an episode. So, yeah. (laughs) Right on. Who are you? Oh, I am Drew. (laughs) And is Drew burning? Yes. And I'm Jay, and I'm completely bulletproof. I'm Becca, and I'm allergic to octopus. And I am Scorpion's old enemy, Sub-Zero. I mean, Chris. <laughs> and this is Cyborg and Cigarettes. Of course. <laughs> Beautiful. We uh, tried to record last night, and uh, I made the mistake of uh, not making sure my mic was uh, being recorded. So there is audio existing. Of just Jay and Chris talking to no one. <laughs> Which will be released eventually. <laughs> just for the sheer the novelty of it. The context great. Drew, you are our favorite imaginary friend. <laughs> it's like we love you, my, Drew. It's like a... What was it? Those... There's like some type of Garfield like edit where like they took out Garfield and it's just John. Oh, yeah! <laughs> I saw... Yeah, Jim Davis himself loved those. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, I, he wrote like a forward to like an official release album and everything. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah, that, that'll be um, uh, the Sidebirds and Cigarettes edition of that um, uh, edit. <laughs> Garfield well, minus Drew. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the last few, uh, well, in the last month since we've recorded, we've had a uh, pretty big abundance of news. So without further ado, we're going to s- jump straight into the new segment. So one of the biggest pieces of news we got recently was the, uh, now this was a few months ago, but we need to address it here, obviously, because, you know, we are very, very current here at Cybirds and Cigarettes. Totally. A uh, second trailer for the CGI film Lupin the Third, the first was released and uh, looks pretty incredible. What do we all think about it? I'm down. I love it. There's, it's, it looks so perfect. Right. It does. It looks better than Pixar. No offense to Pixar, but I mean, offense to Pixar. <laughs> total offense to Pixar. I'm sorry, but the Japanese do it better. Always have, always will. I mean, there's there's just so many things that I can gush about from just like the detail in each of the characters' designs and just like the cart, the, the like the very like especially there's one promo that got released on Twitter the other, Twitter the other day where you see Lupin fighting, like I'm I'm assuming the main villain, and it looks so cartoony. Yes. 
Which is exactly what we want. Right? A hundred percent. I want cartoony Lupin, and I want cartoony CGI Lupin. I didn't know I needed it. (laughs) But now it's here, and I love it. (laughs) I knew I needed it because when when I saw the the Master File uh, uh, 3D CG uh, short, I was like, I need this. I need this. It's like air. I need it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's it's almost like they were listening to you and thought, okay, People need this, but can we? But do they need it? But better? Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know, like, there's been some concern that the director of this movie he made the uh, the CGI Dragon Quest movie, mm-hmm. and like that didn't sit too well with fans. But I'm guessing like the difference between that and Lupin is like with the thing like Dragon Quest, you have like a ton of lore that's right. held very dear, whereas with Lupin, continuity and lore isn't key. It was thrown out the window years ago. <laughs> it was. It never existed. After the first chapter. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, I understand those concerns, but, like, the moment that I see a giant pile of cops jumping on each other and then Lupin just <laughs> landing further away in his boxers and then just, like, straightening his boxers and snapping, like, the little... <laughs> snapping the, the, uh, the line waistband. of his... Waistband. Bo- the waistband. Thank you. You're welcome. Smugly snapping his waistband at Zenigata just made me happy. <laughs> God, yes. Also, Zenigata kicking all of his men and knocking them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or I, lo- I love that recently released footage where, uh, you know, we have Goemon drawing the uh, Fiat for once. Oh, my. Right. <laughs> you know, Lupin jumping, Lupin, you know, diving towards it and. Splat. Sort of yeah, Goemon like backs up and Lupin hits the ground. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like I can visualize it as a monkey punch. You know, exactly. Drawing, drawing so vividly, it's beautiful. <laughs> oh, it's it's gorgeous. And just also the image of Goemon like completely hunched over the steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> An old man. <laughs> Very careful driver. And everybody's losing their mind over Jigen holding Fujiko. Oh yes. Oh, and also that Jigen design. <sighs> I, I am here for Keanu Reeves Jigen. Same. That's totally what it I is. Know, I still know that a lot of people have uh, their their complaints about oh, his yeah. beard not being long enough, but god dang it, it looks good. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I understand the concerns, but this, the point is still there. I really like the subtle beard point. I mean, personally, I, I wouldn't mind the beard and the uh, brim of his hat were longer, but I think it looks fine as it is. Yeah. know, He doesn't have his bangs covering his eyes, so I'm cool with it. Right? Indeed. There's also a moment in that um uh, that last promo we released where I'm, uh, I believe it's that moment where Lupin like shoots the thing out of his watch and Jigen just gets super worried. <laughs> yes. Uh, concerned I'm, Jigen. <laughs> I, I am all here for I'm all here for Jigen actually, you know, emoting. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Actually having eyes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, no question mark. Let's go make some points. Also, um, I, don't, I can't remember if it was in this most recent trailer or the, or the first one, but there's a bit where we see the, uh, you know, the uh, generic treasure for this movie, and right, of course, and we see the Roman numeral eight light up. Yes, Ooh. you know, I didn't and, catch that for some reason. And I was thinking, like, you know, due to the title of the movie, and you know, Lupin wearing the uh, old top hat and carrying the cane. I'm assuming that, you know, Grandpa Arsen is involved somehow. He has to yeah. be. Well, more than likely. Yeah. But I'm thinking also maybe with that, you know, Roman numeral 8, maybe if, uh, you know, Lupin the 8 will come back in some form. Ooh. Ooh. 
Ooh. that'd be interesting. Or some sort I of mean, reference, anyways. Right, yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't know, maybe time-traveling treasure. But Fair. Oh, man, that'd be rad. But, I mean, let's be honest here. It's not impossible in this franchise. It's, no, it's, it's, really, it's, really, it's really not. But yeah, like, I, I don't know if they're going to do it. I mean, I'm probably just looking too much into it. But, hey, if it if it turns out happening, you heard it here first. Indeed. Right. And to add to any context for new listeners, Lupin the Eighth was a pretty much a cancel pilot for a. It was fully animated. Yes, fully animated with no audio recorded. So uh, it was two episodes, right? One. A uh, w- one one fully animated episode where it's. It was one pilot episode where yeah. it it was fully animated and subtitled with like the script but no vocals. And it was very, very unique because it was going to be a Deke, the the studio who was going to create it. And when that got canned, that led to the creation of Inspector Gadget, <laughs> which mm-hmm. TMS animated. Yep. Which, and I also believe, like, I think Monkey Punch actually, actually contributed to some of the character designs. Really? I did not hear that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen, like, concept art of, you know, the Lupin 8 cast, you know, drama Monkey Punch, although oh. I'm not... I don't believe that they, they actually really went with it, any of his designs, but... That's fair. But I, I think you can definitely tell some of the influence with the designs they used. Right. Yeah, definitely. And also, the, the, one notable aspect is uh, Jigen with a uh, bubble pipe <laughs> instead of smoking. He right. He has a pipe that he uh, blows bubbles with. Right, because right, it's actually supposed to be a kid's show. Yep. Right. Which, that would have been really interesting. It would have that played out. And then it ended up being, uh, you know, canned because of the whole thing with the uh, LeBlanc estate. Of course. Right. Because I think Deke is located in France, at least partially. I think so. And so, you know, Grandpa Arsene Lupin was not, you know, public domain in his home country. Mm-hmm. Uh, how the, yeah, the apple don't fall too far from the tree, does it? <laughs> it, nope. it doesn't. It seems like every generation of this family has to deal with copyright issues. Because, <laughs> Pretty much. Because, like, not only there's this thing with Lupin the Eighth, when Lupin the Third was released in other countries... You know, back in the uh, 80s and 90s, they had to change mm-hmm. his name because, for the same reason. And then way back in the original Arsene Lupin novels, Maurice LeBlanc tried to have Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson appear yep. in a few stories. <laughs> and then he got in trouble with the estate of Sir uh, Arthur Conan Doyle. Yep. And thus he had to change it. So it's, And then Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and no, I'm kidding. But, <laughs> but yeah, it just, like every generation of Lupin family, it's... Always get, you know, thwarted by you know their greatest enemy. Right. It's not. It's not Interpol. It's not. It's not Inspector Gaminard, or Zenigata. It's copyright law. Oh yeah. Wasn't the alternate title that they like ended up going with for that book? Um, uh, Herlock Holmes. Herlock Holmes. Yeah. Well, I think I, th- I think one version also used uh, Hemlock Shears. It did. <laughs> and uh, Doctor Wilson. <laughs> but, yeah. Which you know, which is funny if you watched House MD. Oh yeah! Oh, wow. Because I know that show took some inspiration from Sherlock Holmes. Right. It's all connected. <laughs> it's all connected. I'm I'm still waiting for I'm still waiting for Arsene Lupin to appear on BBC's Sherlock though. Ooh, that'd be cool. That'd be... Is that sh- is that show canceled now? I don't know. I think it's I on a like... hiatus because um, Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch are just very busy people. Oh yeah, they're they're big time stars nowadays. Well, yeah, I mean, one of them is the Sorcerer Supreme. All right. <laughs> Indeed. Well, he's getting a sequel sometime soon. I'm I really can't excited wait. for that, by the way. So, that being said, we're all in agreement. 
the new trailer's pretty rad. Yes. And speaking of Lupin the Third, the first, I'm not going to get used to saying that title. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Lupin the Third, the movie, the first. <laughs> Part one. <laughs> um, uh, the soundtrack, uh, the official release date has been revealed. It will be available December 4th on iTunes. I know for a fact in both the US, UK, and Japan. Other areas, I'm not too specifically sure about, but if you know, please let us know. Um, uh, it will include uh, 61 tracks by You and Explosion Band, which has me very excited because whenever you have You and Explosion Band, it means it's going to be a bit more punchier than usual. Right? Which, which is always better. Yes. Hence the explosion. <laughs> Indeed. And if you want a taste of the soundtrack, you can purchase the track theme from Lupin the Third 2019. It's uh, 129 for a purchase, so not too bad. Your, your standard run-of-the-mill price for a song anymore. Exactly, um, and it is completely worth it. Oh, Every yeah. Every penny. Every penny, and then some. And the track is only a minute and 25 seconds long, but it's kind of like the... It's edited essentially like the opening of part two, pretty much. So it's not like you're getting like a super shortened version of it. It's just, it's just like right. a TV opening, which has me really curious because I'm assuming the opening of the movie is going to have like a title sequence. Right. Because we keep seeing images. I know for a fact there's one image of Lupin running. It's the iconic like pose of him like running in the spotlight. Right. But behind him is just like red gears. Mm. And this is yeah, getting super into Oh, go ahead. I would say that that does kind of point to like a stylized, you know, James Bond-like opening sequence. Yes. Right. Because uh, I know in the first trailer, um, you get the shot of him turning around with that same, like, red background. Mm-hmm. And then you see the title with a bunch of gears. Yeah. So I'm assuming the title sequence is going to involve something to the effect of, like, red background and gears, which that's fine with me. I, I would love to have a title sequence that just introduces each character one at a time. Yeah. Right. That, that'll be... Now, do you think it'll be all to the loop on the... Well, yeah, 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 to the same song. It'd be really cool if they did the different themes, but... Oh, that would be... Oh, that would... That's like, it's just like, like they introduce characters one by one, and then it does a little transition. That's to like the... the ultimate fan service opening. Exactly. <laughs> Where it's like you start with like the loop on the third one from part one. <laughs> but of course, that would mean sexy adventure would be included. Which yes, please. Yes. No complaints here. <laughs> um, something I thought I guess kind of off topic a bit, but something I think would be really cool would be like a. Uh, Something similar to like the Pink Panther movies and have like a like two D animated opening sequence. Ooh, yes. That'd be really cool. Yeah, you know, and maybe like I don't know, maybe like do it like in the style of like uh the uh Zenigata comic strips that Monkey Punch did in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Right. So like instead of having the Pink Panther and the Spectre Clues though, you have Lupin the Third and the Spectre Zenigata. Right. <laughs> That'd be really cool. It's like little T V versions kind of would be adorable. <laughs> Please <laughs> So I yes. mean I was gonna say I TMS, I don't know if you're hiring, but hey, you know, there's, what, four or five of us here? Yeah. You know, maybe we can work something out, huh? Hey. Yeah, yeah, we'll be your pitchmen. <laughs> we got some ideas. We do. So, yes, be sure to pop over to iTunes and check out that new soundtrack because it's pretty cool. And also, with the CGI film, both an Italian and a uh, Spanish dub and release have been announced for 2020. Ooh, yes. So that gives me hope that maybe we'll get a release for Italy, for Spain... Maybe the UK and France and then the US, please. <laughs> Here's hoping. Here's hoping. 
And speaking of uh, new announcements, in uh, the interim between the last episode, a new TV special has been announced. It's titled Prison of the Past. Not a lot of information has come out about it. There is one synopsis that I've kind of forgotten what it was. <laughs> Something to the effect of a thief going missing in a maze, if I remember correctly. It must be really memorable, whatever it was. I'll probably cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> Too much information we've been getting. Yes. <laughs> We're just drowning in info over here, man. Oh, wait, here we go. This is what it says. And thank you, Google. Uh, Lupin and his gang sneak into a kingdom to rescue a legendary thief, but thieves from around the world are coming to, into that kingdom, too. Ooh. I'm intrigued. I'm also I'm intrigued. The, uh, it's kind of weird. The soundtrack has already been made available on both Amazon and iTunes in the U.S., U.K., and Japan. If there's any other regions, mm -hmm. please let us know. But, like, it already came out, and it sounds... I, I know it's gotten, like, a little mixed opinion, but I really like it. But you like all the Lupin music, so that's I mean, not saying much. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't say all out. I wouldn't say all of Lupin music. Like 95%. Staring directly at you, Papik, if you're listening. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, you know, if Drew's talking about the, uh, you know, Italian Part 4 soundtrack, just pull up a chair, we'll be here a bit. Uh, pull up a chair and <laughs> play the, uh, play the Goemon tuba theme. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about that. I, I, I don't understand how you look at Goemon and say, ah, oh, yes, tuba. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, that's just too bad. Hey. Hi. <laughs> Oop, hold on. Right, I've got just a thing for this. Yes, yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so, I remember like when we watched part four on Adult Swim, and Goemon like shows up and cuts that tree in half, and it's just like dum 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 dum. I'm like, what, what, what? <laughs> hold up. <laughs> what? Because it's not only a tuba, there's also like the traditional like Japanese flute over the tuba. So I just felt really weird. <laughs> just these instruments don't go together. I feel like it's, well, they tried. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely hey, it's experimentation. I'll give it that. Anyway, back on track to Yuji Ono. <laughs> well, actually, I was going to use that as a segue here. Um, also, like the Italian and and North American ver or English versions of Part Four, due to how they had he had a different soundtrack from the Japanese version, meant that in the episode Lupin's Day Off, we did not get to hear that fantastic rendition of Superhero. Ah, uh, yes. Which is my ringtone now, by the way. Hey. And so how would you tell us about a track that's on the uh, Prisoner of the Past soundtrack? So yes, the soundtrack for Prisoner of the Past features the return of a very special track. It's the, well, it's Superhero, but it is the first vocal version of Superhero we've had in the anime for... I don't know how many years now at this point. It's been a while. A very long time. And it sounds incredible. It's blessed. Phenomenal. It, no joke, it brought tears to my eyes. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> You're not I the mean, only one, Chris. You're not yeah, the I mean, only I mean, one. like, I'm not even kidding. It's just, like, I love superheroes so much, and the fact that this singer was just so damn enthusiastic about it. Yes. Yeah. You know, just so passionate about it. I'm just like... It's like, yes, it's, I yeah. too am the hero of today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me as well. I'm Same. also smart and cool. <laughs> and, and so wealthy and so sexy. <laughs> Maybe not the wealthy part. 
I wish I was wealthy. Me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe the singer on that track is Shigeru Matsuzaki, who, if you're familiar with the franchise Space Adventure Cobra, he was the first voice of Cobra in the film directed by Osamu Dezaki, who we'll get to later. Which, that series is basically Lupin in space, so it's yes. very fitting that he sings this song. Right. And he also provided vocals for the uh, the main loop on the third theme. It's the first track on the album, which it's also been a long time since we've had that track, at least sung by um, uh, a male singer. Like, that's been a yeah. while. I'm trying to think what last one last time was. I mean, does the uh, Monkey Magic cover count? I would count it, because it has a music video. Right. And it, and it was great. It is yes. fantastic. Using the character designs from Mankatsu, I, I love it. Which I would love to see a series done in that design. Absolutely. Indeed. So if you want to pop on over to Amazon and iTunes, pick up the Prison of the Past soundtrack and uh, listen away. You will not regret it. Okay, so on the subject of Prison of the Past, um, uh, today, as a matter of fact, we got our first extended preview of the special, which is really the first actual scene we've got to see from it. And boy, things are contentious. <laughs> from what I can tell, anyway. There's no subtitles. I really have no idea what's going on. I just saw a very angry Goemon eat a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, the bit where Goemon gets angry, we see that fire behind him. That that felt like a little too anime for me. I know that, that probably sounds weird, but... It, yeah. it did have that, like, anime trope feeling too bad. I, 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 I can't deny that the, the minute I... It's, it like, got that, like, surprised laugh out of me. <laughs> Same here. Maybe it was for shock, like, value, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, perhaps, but... I'd be fine with it in tiny, tiny doses. Like, if, if, if it went full anime tropes, uh, then I would be like, oh. Mm. Right, oh, yeah. This isn't Lupin. <laughs> yeah. But no, it seems in the clip that, well, Jigen is not happy. Goemon snaps back at him, and Fuji... <laughs> as, as Jigen reaches for his gun, Lupana hides behind a tire and answers the phone. <laughs> oh my god. He's like, oh, I thought that right. Like... In the moment he answers the phone, it kind of cuts back to Goemon, and we just see him on fire. <laughs> and then he is, starts eating a sandwich very angrily. Is Goemon burning? He yes. is. <laughs> That's to be the name for the special. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, you know, a title that has the subtitles, like, is Goemon burning? Small text underneath. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just but, a very quiet yes. It's in brackets. <laughs> there's like a there's like an asterisk after the question mark. <laughs> and then you have, look at, you have to look like small text at the bottom of the poster. <laughs> it's like in the bottom right corner. Yeah. In Comic Sans. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh no. But um, one come thing on. I did come, was... come on, man. We have some class. Go with Papyrus. Sheesh. Uh, I'd oh, say yes. you're using a cheap man's comic like font. <laughs> but one thing I did notice about the footage was the animation in particular looks so good. Like it does. I've seen I've seen Goodbye Partner unsubbed, which we're gonna get to that in a minute. But mm. the animation in it was very solid. But there's something about the backgrounds in this one, and also the lighting was very dynamic. Oh yeah. Yes. And like there's specific little movements that seem really intricate and detailed. I, I'm really excited to see this. Me too. Effort in, or more effort. Yeah. Not saying that Goodbye Partner didn't have effort put into it. But it'll just touch more. It's like whoever the animation stu- studio behind this is, they went just a little bit harder. <laughs> and to be fair, 
They did with the soundtrack too. So they really mm-hmm. did. I don't know. I was thinking like, like for the majority of the clip, of that uh, clip, <laughs> I felt like the uh, like the animation really wasn't all that spectacular aside from the background. But then we got to, like that really short montage, like split second. I, I don't want to keep using more clips, but you know what I mean. Yeah, clip. And uh, I I thought there was some really good looking you know motion in those. Oh yeah, definitely. Like the, then like, he got a turning the wheel. Looked real nice and fluid. Uh-huh. Or go ahead on cutting cutting the helicopter in half. Yes, mm-hmm. that looked. Mm, that's 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 precisely my jam. Uh, <laughs> we know, we know. It's I mean it's, it's not quite up there with the uh, with that bit from uh, Tokyo Crisis, but it's still pretty great. Oh, I can't wait to get to Tokyo Crisis. Ah, I love that one. Oh. Tokyo it's, Crisis was the very first special that I actually watched. Ah, well, you pick a great one to start with. Mm-hmm. That, I believe was the second one I watched. Because I know I watched them. I, I've forgotten the order. I know the ones I watched, but I did it over a whole weekend, and I don't remember which one was first. Oh. Because <laughs> I know it was Mamo, Tokyo Crisis, Goodbye Lady Liberty, and Episode Zero in the course of one weekend. <laughs> well, Mamo, you can't really attribute it to a special, but... That's true. I think my first TV special was uh, The Pursuit of Hattie Mouse Treasure. Ooh. What was the first one that you showed me? The first special I showed you was my Tokyo Crisis. Yeah. Because there was that night when we watched him up. We watched Cagliostro. We watched mm-hmm. Goemon's Blood Spray. And then we watched Tokyo Crisis. <laughs> wow, you guys yeah. were all over the place, weren't you, totally? <laughs> For that night, I was like, here is like an example of the tone. Like, like the, the tonal shifts in this franchise. <laughs> we're just going to go from like 0 to 16 and back to 35. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really fun night, though. It was. <laughs> Sounds like it. By the time it was over, she was like, "I get why you love this." <laughs> yeah, I, I feel I feel like tonally you guys are all over the place, but quality wise, I think it's pretty consistent. Indeed, <laughs> agreed. Let's see, and um, uh, in other news, boy, it's there's been quite a lot of development on Amazon Video. As a matter of fact, just today, the Goodbye Partner Dub and Sub were made available on Amazon Video, which um, uh, Jay has actually seen the dub just this morning. I did, I did. And let me tell you, if you like the the cast, Richard Epcar cast, you're going to love this. They really knocked it out of the park for me. There were some amazing bits, and the performances were stellar. I have to tell you, there's one line, and I think you'll love this a lot, Drew. <laughs> uh, and the the line is basically... The same old typical, uh, I have slashed another meaningless object. And just the way Lex Lang says it will (laughs) probably kill you. You'll probably be like, oh, oh, this is good. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Richard Epcar as Jigen yelling about Lupin's stupidity is fantastic. And using the term crap for brains. Oh, (laughs) I am... Salty Richard Epcar Jigen is a wonderful thing. <laughs> that, that sounds like such a part two dub kind of line, too. It is. It is. And that's why I love it so much. you got to watch this dub, guys. Please do it. I'm probably actually going to buy that when I get home. <laughs> Please do it. Report back to me in the morning. I no. <laughs> <laughs> Take two TV specials and call me in the morning. <laughs> And a, a, another dub and sub have also been made av- available a few weeks ago, and that would be the Takeshi Koike film, Fujiko Mine's Lie. I've not got to see this one yet, but I believe you've seen this one as well, right, Jay? 
I sure have. I don't I don't waste time when it comes to the dubs. <laughs> I feel you. This one is also phenomenal. Of course, it uses a completely different cast than the Epcar cast. It does have Epcar in it as Zenigata instead of Jigen. Um, but uh, you got uh, uh, Keith Silverstein, I think is how his yep. last name is pronounced, um, as Lupin. You've got Dan Warren, who apparently introduced who all the dub members were, chose to be to remain anonymous. He plays as Jigen. Okay. Um, you got Christina V as Fujiko, and uh, Lex Lang is not in this one, though he was in Goemon's Blood Spray as Goemon. Um, and everybody does a phenomenal, phenomenal. I can't even speak anymore. Uh, job at this. So if you like the darker tone, you'll like this one as well. Raise his hand. The cat. <laughs> As I as I like to say, the cast that they choose for the these films really fit the character designs. They they really do. Like I, I remember, like at first, kind of being hesitant to see like the Jigen's gravestone dub until you showed it to me. Right. And then I was like, what What have I been missing? This is right. This is amazing. <laughs> I, I really Keith, enjoyed that dub. Keith really makes Lupin sound way sexier than he really is. <laughs> he, he does. <laughs> I, so do I have to uh, explain this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Go right ahead. Uh, among this particular circle of friends, I have expressed an appreciation for Koeki's design of Lupin. Mm-hmm. And I'm also a fan of Old School Simpsons, so I refer to him often as Stupid Sexy Lupin. <laughs> and it has not escaped my notice that Silverstein's voice contributes it does. It does. It really does. So, I like to say he has no right to be as uh, to, to sound that attractive. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've always felt like Koeki's Lupin kind of has like the kind of like chiseled features of like a 1960s, you know, teen heartthrob movie star kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I could see that. Yeah, and especially because the Fujiko series was, you know, all but explicitly set in the 60s. It, it And also that's when the manga began as well. So, it, you know, it, it worked. Yeah. And so the fact that he had a... You know, sexy teen heartthrob voice to go with it. It works. Indeed. Sexy teen heartthrob. <laughs> so if you're looking, yep. if you're in the mood for some good Lupin dubs, be sure to pick up both of those films on Amazon. Because at the end of the day, if you want to keep getting Lupin dubs, you gotta buy them. And uh, speaking of official releases, Discotech has recently announced their fourth and final. Part two collection set, which will be coming to DVD, <clears throat> coming to DVD on January twenty eighth, twenty twenty. Now I plan on pre-ordering this as soon as I can. Mm-hmm. The, I got the first two sets. I have the first two sets. I need to get the third one. I'll probably grab that around probably after and, Christmas. <laughs> and as as uh, Discotech uh, announced for that. It will have the streamlined dub of the episodes 145 and 155, yes. the Miyazaki episodes. Now, they announced that way back before they released the first collection. Correct. That it was going to, that every available English dub of this series is going to be included. Correct. So, you know, pr- you know pretty neat how they you know, didn't forget, I guess. Yeah, they <laughs> held up on their promise. That's yeah. it, thank you. But that's the thing with Discotech's recent collections. They go above and beyond with the features and the translations. I know for the back half of the series, we've kind of been stuck with the really 
awful subtitles on Crunchyroll. <sighs> yeah. And which have, were which were apparently written back in the eighties. Where Zimigata, it, instead of being called Pops, is referred to as Daddio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. Yep. Daddio. <laughs> and this, this Who doesn't reflected? want to hear somebody say Daddio? <laughs> and see, this is even reflected in, in the title of one of the episodes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Operation Rescue Daddio. <laughs> yep. I, know. I think that's one. I think it was one of like the first non-dubbed episodes I've watched. So I was like, "What? <laughs> like, what? I'm sorry. I was so confused. I thought maybe like it was a code name for this episode. I was like, that's making sense though. <laughs> What's going on? But yeah, it's, I think it's crazy though. After you know, thirty odd years, we're finally getting new subtitles for these. Thank goodness. It, it's also really strange because like in one episode, it was like one of the most like benign and like family friendly episodes. Where Lupin's like trying to research, uh, he get him a, he's he stole some ring that Fujiko wants as a wedding ring, and it's the ring is basically possessed with like a little demon chasing him, and it's like, it's like one of the most like family friendly, just kind of like innocent episodes, and he's looking in a library because I can't find it. God damn it! And I'm like, oh, all right, uh, okay, <laughs> okay, like I'm no, I like you know I'm no, you know prude, but jeez. Right. He even says it in like such a subtle, like friendly tone. <laughs> it's like oh, <laughs> I don't. Mm, I, I sense a dissonance. Uh, you know, speaking of these old subtitles, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to find those examples that Reed Nelson posted way back when, because I feel like those were a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, found it. So several years ago, Reed Nelson, uh, the guy behind uh, Lupin the Third uh, dot com, and yeah. You know, a frequent collaborator of Discotech, tweeted out that he was looking at what he referred to as ancient English scripts from <laughs> TMS for, for part two. And uh, it's hilarious because these were not written by an English speaker. You can tell because, like, as Reed put it, they even invented new swear words. <laughs> such as, such as, uh, a it! <laughs> K-A-M-N. And then also, at one point, uh, there's a, uh, bit of dialogue. It's like, what? Is Fujiko Lupin's partner? The money is in the wheels. God, man, Lupin. I'm mad now. <laughs> God, man. God, man. Now, now, then there's the best one. You guys ready for this? You may yep. think you are. You're not. You are not. <laughs> oh, no. Give it to this, me. This bit of dialogue is from a patrol car off screen. Pee, poo, pee, poo, pee, poo, pee, poo. <laughs> then in parentheses. <laughs> then underneath in parentheses. Siren sounds. Ah! I thought you guys weren't ready. <laughs> so dead. So, yeah, we've definitely come a long way. Oh, yes. Big time. <laughs> Indeed. And uh, not only did Discotech announce this new box set, they kind of... They've already, like, hinted towards it on Twitter, if you follow, like, people who work there, but they have recently announced a 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray release of The Castle of Cagliostro, which will be out... Uh, sometime next year, which that I I'm gonna get a a 4K player for this. <laughs> I I'm just getting an Xbox like One X or something like that. Nice. Comes with the 4K like HD crap all in it. Yeah. And I I wonder I gotta wonder if they'll dub this like redub it like they did with Mamo where they dubbed it four times by four different casts. Um, 
But I wonder if they'll redub Cagliostro with the current cast. That's what we're hoping for. Well, I would love to have Cagliostro with with Tony Oliver and Richard Epcar and Michelle in a proper pronunciation. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have a way to watch 4K Blu-rays myself, but if this was released with a brand new dub with the current cast, I could probably be convinced into buying one. Yeah, same. Me as well. Because it'd be interesting God. to have a dub with... I think that cast would knock it out of the park. They would. I once I, asked Richard Epcar over Twitter if he would ever consider dubbing Cagliostro, and he said, absolutely, we would love to. That'd be so good. And it'd also be, as much as I love the manga dub, it'd be great to have an English dub that doesn't have awkwardly placed super PG-13 dialogue. Yeah. Although, that was once a complaint for the uh, the, uh, the Genion dub of Mamo. A lot of people true. didn't like it because it was a little more risque, if you will. I mean, it never really bothered me personally in either, me neither. In either the Mamo dub or Cagliostro. Yeah. I mean, although, I mean, I, I, I can kind of understand it with the uh, with Cagliostro. I guess, but... Yeah, it's at, a little at, more... But at the same time, though, it it doesn't really... Do, yeah, I don't find it distracting or anything. It's oh, just, no, no. It's, for me, it's not, like, super distracting. It's just It just comes off as... The weirdest one for me is during the car chase when Lupin swerves from the bus and just goes, Shit! <laughs> okay, okay, but that's, okay, but that's hilarious, though. Oh, it is hilarious. <laughs> I still love it. I'm just kind of like... I love, like... I would love for like a parent to like show that dub to their kids and just not be aware because that's the first one that happens. Yeah. There you go, son. Let's watch shit. Hey, mom, what shit mean? Uh, <laughs> Don't like, repeat that. It's like whoops, whoops, hit the wrong dub. Whoopsies. Because you know just. Because Discotech's release of Cagliostro does have a, you know, more PG version of that of that dub. That is true. I forgot about that. Yeah. So the, 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 there's your Cagliostro dub for the for the kiddies. <laughs> right. There I, you I, go. I think there's only one bit of there's only one bit of profanity that's actually left in the movie, in that dub. Mm-hmm. And I think I heard it was because they they overlooked it, but it actually kind of worked with the scene. It's when uh, Lupin is hanging after uh, you know, the Count dropped him through Clarice's floor. Yeah. Right. And he's communicating with the Count, you know, through that fake ring. Right. And Lupin says, bloodline be damned. That girl's a wonderful person. Right. That's, the only, bit of, that's the only bit of profanity that's left in that version of Dub, but it, it works. I like it. It works. That, that, that's a good line. I it love is. David Hayter as Lupin. Me too. It, I always found it funny that David Hayter also voiced, you know, Solid Snake. <laughs> I know. And then there's... And then there's that bit in the movie where Lupin is sneaking around the castle wearing a skin-tight gray outfit. Right. right. And (laughs) hiding. And hiding from guards. Yep. You know, I actually read once that uh, Solid Snake's character, like, personality was actually based a little bit on Lupin. So, full circle. There was an interview with with, uh, Hideo Kojima where he mentioned Lupin. Well, I mean, like, we do know Kojima is a Lupin III fan because he uh, tweeted when uh, the Fujiko series started. That he had yes. watched the first episode and really enjoyed it, mostly right. because of the boobs. Yeah, I mean, like that—that's that, not a joke. He actually said that was the reason why. You there's know, there's no other show on TV shows that many of them. I believe it. And like it was yeah. even uh, the 50th anniversary of the MOOC that came out, which that's such a strange word to say. <laughs> Listen uh, here, you MOOCs. 
Because I know I pr- I bought it on CD Japan and got it in the mail, then checked Twitter, and then Hideo Kojima tweeted a picture of like him holding it. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, validation. Okay, <laughs> 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 <sighs> so I think I got one more bit of news here. Yep. Okay, so last and most certainly not least, um, uh, in the past month, the Lupin Central website has been relaunched by Lee Sparks, a very good friend of the show. And the site looks phenomenal. It looks amazing. It, again, we cover news here and just kind of like, you know, discuss it you know, like casually. We're mostly just riffing here. <laughs> yeah. If you want in-depth, up-to-date news for Lupin, go to luponcentral.com. You will not be disappointed. <laughs> Lee's, Lee's got you covered. He does. He does. And not only does he have you covered with news, he has... Um, uh, right now he's covering and reviewing all of the Koike movies... He's doing uh, like little photo galleries from different episodes and all sorts of fun content. He's just getting started with it, so hop yep. over and give it a look. Yeah, and there's also uh, like the size and redesign. You know, there's been some original original artwork he's commissioned, and I mean, it all looks great. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. all the artwork is fantastic. And of course, we, we're not just saying this because he featured our first episode as a separate article on the website. Which was that, that we're totally not biased whatsoever. Totally, <laughs> Eric. Totally I mean, not. I mean, you know, it didn't hurt, but that's not why. Right. <laughs> and we're totally not mentioning this, so he'll put us on there again. <laughs> <laughs> or because he's a good friend of ours. I mean, you know, we don't play favorites. No, that's not true. at all. Also, we're also also we're all very good at lying through our teeth. <laughs> uh, figure. That wraps up our new segment for this week's ep- for this week's this <laughs> no bi-monthly maybe's episode. This this every once in a while. <laughs> Whenever episode. we can. <laughs> right when we have time. We are four people with different schedules. <laughs> exactly. But hey, hey five, hey five people. Let's not forget, you know, who we're oh. about to introduce here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> we don't know how to count. <laughs> it's 11 o'clock. It is. It's late. Hey, we're talking, we don't exactly how to count. One, two, three. Mankatsu, the woman called Fujiko Mine. Five <laughs> or four, five. <laughs> and with that, we will move on to our topic, which is the first three episodes of part one. So, last time, we covered the 1969 pilot film, which uh, we all agree, we liked it. Oh, yeah. It was cool, funky, psychedelic. Everything you want. Oh, yeah, and the animation for the time was really good, too. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I think it still holds up in that regard. It really does. Yeah, it does. So, now we're going to be jumping about, about three years later to the creation of Lupin III, Part 1, also known to most fans as Green Jacket. Now, the project for the pilot film never really got sold, so one thing uh, we pointed out in the last episode was that the there were the two versions of the pilot film, there was a cinematic version, and there was the TV, uh, like, kind of like, you know, the 4x3 box version. Right. So what that was was essentially a pilot that was sold around after the film didn't, you know, like, move forward as a film project. Knocked over my ginger ale almost. 
Ooh, be Believe careful. Weaving that in. <laughs> Don't hit the recording re equipment. Right. You know, make sure you treat your beverages gingerly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop saying help. Moving on. There is no help. Moving on. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're I'm lost cause. So. I can live with it. Anyway, continue. In 1971, uh. I'm going to try not to butcher this name. Yomiuri Television agreed to produce a TV adaptation of the the manga. And by this time, only Yasuo Otsuka and uh, Masaki Osumi were still at TMS after, you know, the whole... Because by, 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 by three years later, everyone involved with the pilot film kind of moved on, more or less. Once it was picked up, the series was originally planned for 26 episodes with the synopsis created for each one. Now, the only cast member really who stayed in the exact same role was uh, Kiyoshi Kobayashi, who stayed as Jigen. Um, uh, now, Goro Naya voiced Goemon in the cinematic version of the pilot, which was interesting, and Chikao Otsuka voiced as Zenigata. Well, here in part one, they swap roles. So Goro Naya takes on the role of Zenigata, and Chikao Otsuka takes on the role of uh, Goemon, which is... It's just really strange. It's cool. Because, you know, eventually Goronaya would voice Zenigata until until 2013. I uh, I personally feel that it was a good move to switch him. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh absolutely. Um, uh, let's see. Lupin and Fujiko were recast, of course. And, uh, and Yasuo Yamada stepped in the role as Lupin. Now, before this, he was really known for dubbing Clint Eastwood in pretty much every single one of his films. He also had uh, some anime roles in uh, some series I've never heard of before, but now I'm kind of looking. I'm kind of interested to uh, check out Big X, Ogon Bat, Hans Christian Andersen stories, and Kamui the Ninja. Now Kamui the Kamui the Ninja <laughs> is a very interesting series because in that voice cast is also Kiyoshi Kobayashi, Chikao Otsuka, and Goronaya, which is a uh, so it's pretty much the Lupin cast before they became the Lupin gang. Yeah, they're like a family. They stick together. It's like a it's like a preemptive cast reunion. <laughs> it really is. And I'm uh, in the role of Fujiko, uh, Yukiko Nikaido replaced Eiko Masuyama. Now, Eiko Masuyama would eventually go on, of course, to voice Fujiko up until 2013 as well. Mm -hmm. but, uh, Nikaido, she really didn't have any roles in anime up until that point. But she did have a voice in the Kamui the Ninja compilation film. So, again. <laughs> well, there you go. Big, big Lupin cast. <laughs> now, Mas now, Eiko Masuyama does show up in part one eventually as a one-time character named Catherine. In a very, one of my personal favorite episodes, but we, we will get to that. Yes. Right, now, the series overall was at first overseen by Masaki Osumi. And uh, he was eventually about seven episodes in, replaced by Hayao Miyazaki and Nisao Takahata. And to elaborate on uh, Masaki Osumi in general and the tone he brought to part one, we're going to turn the show over to our co-host, Will. Hello again, Lupantic fans. I am Guillaume, and I will be your trivia provider for this episode. Last time, we talked about the many influences behind the original Lupin the Third manga, 
that later translated into the 1969 pilot film. 1969, my favorite year. Sorry. We saw that at its heart, the original manga by Monkey Punch was a parody of different literary and movie genres, as well as a product of the youth culture of the late 60s. That explosive cocktail would prove too difficult to faithfully adapt into an animated form, particularly for TV. Still, someone tried their hardest to make the first Lupin III TV series the very first animated program targeted towards an adult audience, at least in Japan. That man was Masaaki Osumi. Osumi was born in 1934 in the Hyogo Prefecture and graduated from the School of Media Science at the University of Technology in Tokyo. His beginnings in the industry were quite humble, as the leader of a puppet theatre in Kobe. He would then enter in the world of animation by joining Tokyo Movie Shinsha, that we better know as TMS, the studio behind most of Lupin III's productions. Before Lupin, he worked with Yasuo Otsuka on the cult TV series Moomin. In 1969, the animated TV series was adapted from the books by Finnish author Toei Janssen. I told you 1969 was my favorite year. <laughs> However, Janssen would not be happy with the results, finding the series to be too violent, with too many elements from the real world, like cars and money. The series would shift studios after a 25-episode run. You can see from that first case with Moomin that Masaaki Osumi already had a flair for a more adult and edgier version of what animation could show. This tendency would continue with Lupin III Part 1. Again with Yasuo Otsuka, who would provide character design, and joined by Osamu Kobayashi, who would direct most of the animation in the show, Osumi would write the scripts. Osumi and his team had big projects for the series, with 26 episodes planned, already with a synopsis. Violence, nudity, sexual themes and crime were not the only ways Osumi used to make the series more adult. While the series had humour, even before Miyazaki took over, it would be a sort of tongue-in-cheek, deadpan humour, one you would find in western crime and heist movies. The inspiration from contemporary American films would also instruct the characters' relationships. An NHK documentary about part one would mention a movie featuring both Charles Bronson and Alain Delon. The movie was made in 1968, it's also one of my favorite years, um, and it's called Adieu l'ami in French, but better known in America as Thieves. So you see, <laughs> it was the perfect template for Lupin III. The dynamic between the two would directly influence the friendship between Lupin and Jigen. Funnily enough, Lupin will later mention Alain Delon in the 1978 film Mystery of Marmo. So you see, history repeats itself. I can't help but encourage you to see the movie, Adieu l'ami, also known as Thieves, but also another one featuring Bronson and Delon called Red Sun that came out in 1971, the same year as part one. It features cowboys, sexy women, and samurai, and I consider it to be a spiritual analogue to Lupin III. Now back to the series. 
The TV series would also feature real brand cars, like the SSK or the now-famous Fiat 500, and give a lot of attention to detail for luxury objects, like watches, and of course, weapons. This attention to real-life objects and vehicles would become a trademark of the franchise. And I think we can thank Osumi and Oscar for it. But more than any of that, what makes the first half of part one Osumi's oeuvre is a strange sense of fatality. Some episodes would show tragic deaths, moments of sadness, and there is a strange underlying dourness to some of the early episodes, while at the same time trying to be cool and dangerous. However, Yumiuri Television, the station broadcasting the series, was quite disappointed by the early ratings. They asked Osumi for changes in order to make the series more appealing to a broader audience. In a rare case of artistic integrity in this medium, Osumi refused. The results were immediate. Osumi was fired. Hayao Miyazaki and Isao Takahata the duo who would eventually found Studio Ghibli, would drastically tone down the show and make the characters goofier and more amiable, as well as getting rid of eroticism. Only episodes 1 to 7 and episode 9 of the series would be directed by Osumi after the change. While we can understand the economic reasons behind this choice and acknowledge the immense impact Miyazaki had on the series, Forgive yours truly for expressing a personal opinion. Robbing Osumi of a chance to make a complete series was a mistake. Not only was it an insult to the man's work, but it also resulted in a disjointed, weaker series. Surprisingly enough, in spite of what I've just said, the Green Jacket series is rather liked by fans, especially the French ones and a new DVD box set was released in France this year. Osumi would return decades later to the Lupin franchise by directing the 1993 special Order to Assassinate Lupin, better known as Voyage to Danger, which we will probably talk about in future episodes. The special would give Osumi the opportunity to express his style more freely, and it is one of the more somber specials. Masaki Osumi would continue directing films and animation for the television, especially for the NHK channel. It is my feeling that the shift from Osumi to Miyazaki started a two-way route for the franchise. Ever since this change in part one, Lupin III would often vary in tone, from goofy and light-hearted to serious and hard-boiled. And while Monkey Punch had managed to balance out those aspects through the spectrum of parody, the animated version would rarely succeed in blending the two. There are two Lupin. Osumi's and Miyazaki's. Both are interesting, both are liked, and they will alternate along with history and the people's taste. However, judging by the Mine Fujiko series, the Takeshi Koike movies, and also a bit of part five, I feel like Osumi's version of Lupin is finally getting his due. And I hope the man is happy. That was all for me today. See you soon, Lupantic folks.
Also, uh, on the tone of part one, there is a really, actually, a very interesting, uh, interesting aspect about the tone of part one and its influence. Yeah, many of you have probably heard of Shinichiro Watanabe. Uh, if I'm butchering that, I apologize. Um, and you've probably heard of shows like Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Champloo. Never heard well, of them. Well, huh? <laughs> never heard of them. <laughs> oh, so, never heard of them. Never heard of her. <laughs> Cowboy no. Beep Boop. <laughs> Bee boop. What's uh, samurai? Sh- shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's why I use that shampoo and conditioner. Exactly. Is that the sequel? <laughs> samurai <laughs> conditioner. <laughs> oh, samurai conditioner. There. <laughs> that's actually a pretty cool name. <laughs> <laughs> the worst from context. <laughs> You're gonna edit this part, this part out, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. This sounds like it should stay in. It does. And of course, you can't forget the spinoff, Shogun Soap. Uh, <laughs> I'll show myself out. Please. Wait, hold on. Wait, hold on. No, you're hosting the call. <laughs> Wait a second. He's left before, and you and I kept talking. Oh, yeah? <laughs> it just wouldn't be recording anymore. It's true. Right. Yeah, that's kind of... Uh, as Rubric you were saying... Like Oh, right. <laughs> well, Shinichiro Watanabe is, uh, has uh, spoken of being heavily influenced by the work of director Masaki Osumi on the series. So I always found that kind of interesting. You can, you can absolutely see it. And I think I also read once that the, uh, the shoes that Spike Spiegel wears in Sam- or Cowboy Bebop... <laughs> <laughs> it are directly stolen from Lupin himself in part one. Oh yeah, he does. He does have very Lupin feet. Mm-hmm. And well, I believe the the character designer is the one that stole him from Lupin, ah. not uh, not a uh, uh, Watanabe. Well, I was gonna say that does explain the uh, you know the harmonica kid. <laughs> True. In, in Bebop, how he's just for no reason at all wearing Lupin's part one outfit. Yeah, you're right. Makes me wonder if, if if they stole Lupin's feet. Does that mean like Lupin's just walking with the gang and like one day is like, "Hey guys, let's just walk on." Maybe ah! <laughs> 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 that's what happened in the in the three episodes that got cut. <laughs> <laughs> well, just... I mean, I was gonna say, yeah, Lupin's no stranger to being stolen from. This is true. Like that one segment of Mankatsu. Oh yeah. Where, where he's just like driving through. Someone else, someone else's segment. Yep. And then then he gets carjacked by the protagonist. (laughs) God, that's hilarious. Lupin's just like lying asleep and wakes up. (laughs) Moves the blanket. No, he has no feet. He just like this is an inconvenience. (laughs) Looks up at the ceiling. Fujiko. (laughs) He's been defeated. (laughs) (laughs) He, He moves the blanket. Hmm. Something's afoot. <laughs> now you really do have to go. <laughs> no. Time to leave. <laughs> anyway. So, yes, since you mentioned it, like, Cowboy Bebop really does have that kind of gritty aesthetic that part one has. 
especially the first few like episodes oh, did. Yeah. And something else that's kind of interesting. Speaking of uh, part one, is uh, in '94, Monkey Punch himself named the first series as the best anime adaptation of Lupin the Third, and he oh. he particularly cited the first few episodes, citing its faithfulness to the manga. Mm-hmm. Especially something like um, uh, episode four, which we will get to. Oh, yeah. So ready for it. <laughs> Two. Yes. So, speaking of part one, let's jump right into episode one. Is Lupin burning? Question mark. Exclamation point. Ampersand. Interrobang. Dang it. Interrobang. It's a real thing. It is. See, I feel like it's worth pointing out that. Apparently, the title is a play on the words. Oh. Referring to... Yeah, because apparently, uh, like in this case, burning can refer to, you know, someone... I guess the closest English equivalent would be saying that they're fired up. Oh. You know, know, that they're passionate and all that. Or he's burning rubber because he's racing. Oh, yeah. Or he's burning down everyone in a stadium, which we'll get to. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which, you know... (laughs) I, I feel like that... You know, that bit where, I guess, spoiler alert, where Mr. <laughs> X is screaming that Lupin's Burning was supposed to be a play on, you know, it's like not only is he dropping the title, but it's also a play on uh, words, but it does not work no. <laughs> very well at all. Unfortunately, Which, I mean, some things I mean, don't translate very well. Right, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, it might work better in Japanese, but, you know, translating the English with the subtitles and all, it just, uh, it feels awkward. Also, uh, I feel like it's worth also pointing out that Crunchyroll refers to the episode as Is Lupin Burning? No G. Just burn. <laughs> Lupin Burning. <laughs> okay, Boomer. I, I reckon. <laughs> and of course, you know, I guess uh, episode two of this series will answer this. Will answer that question. <laughs> well, yes. With, with that. <laughs> at the end of the episode, yes. <laughs> he did. <laughs> but um, I feel like we should, you know, maybe discuss this uh, first opening sequence a little bit. Oh, yes, of course. Mostly because the sound effects are incredibly loud. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm hard of hearing, man, but wow. It, it, this episode has, like, some impact. Right. Especially with, with the sound and with the editing in particular. Yeah. Oh. oh. Wait, I feel like I should probably, uh, I should have done this sooner. I feel like I should have mentioned, uh, how I first saw this series. Oh, yes. Well, that's a good idea. Yeah, because my, I feel like my experience with this is a bit different than your guys. Mm-hmm. So, way back in the, uh, you know, ancient era of 2004, when I was, uh, 14, when I was 14 years old, uh, between that, uh, you know, the summer of 8th grade and my first year of high school, I uh, found a website that had hundreds of anime DVDs, including Lupin the Third Part 1, which, at that point, I had only seen... Uh, I'd only seen uh, the first 27 episodes of Part 2, Mystery of Mamo and Cagliostro, so I was really eager to watch more. And I also read the first few volumes of the manga. But So I ordered this DVD, using my allowance, and I, of course it turned out to be a bootleg. And I realized a bit, a bit too late that everything on that site was a bootleg, <laughs> which explained a lot. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I, I own Discotech's release of this series, which is fantastic. Oh yes, yeah. It's I mean it's 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 you know what everything you hope for, but my I've seen these episodes in their bootleg, oddly subtitled form more than I had the legitimate release. 
So, <laughs> so yeah, there's probably a few things that differ between the two versions. <laughs> yeah. Although I, I do feel like pointing out that uh, some of the subtitles were actually pretty decent on some episodes, and then there were some that were clearly machine translated. Ooh. Oh, that's always fun. Yeah. Mm. Usually, if the title was referred to, was translated as Lupin Three. <laughs> I knew it was going to be a rough one. Uh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but if it was translated as Lupin the Third, then I was like, all right, this might be okay. But and also, uh, I guess to really sell my old school anime fan cred, um, my best friend at the time. Well, I mean, he's still my best friend, but he didn't have a DVD player at the time, so I actually rewatched all of Part One while recording the episodes onto VHS tapes for him. See, so, that's awesome. Oh yeah. You know, it's like it's like a double layer of bootleg. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and I still, I mean, I, you know, I actually still have one of the tapes I made for him, but. Oh wow. Yeah, it's kind of surreal <laughs> watching. Oh, I believe that. <laughs> yeah. But so anyway, yeah. Uh, part one is Lupin Burning. Uh, this episode aired in uh, October twenty fourth, nineteen seventy one, which was a long time ago. We yeah, long before we were around. We only get say, the most insightful commentary on this podcast. <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, we barely missed the uh, 45th anniversary. We really oh, did. Yeah. Thank you. We should have done this sooner. <laughs> wait, wait, is it 45th? Uh, no, not quite. Oh yeah. I've been drinking. I've been drinking. I can't map. <laughs> <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> This episode was directed by uh, Masaki Osumi, screenplay by Tadaki Yamazaki, and the storyboard was by uh, <clears throat> Shoji Yoshikawa, who would eventually go on to direct the first loop on the third film, The Mystery of Mamo. So, got to start early in the franchise. Yeah, he sure did. Which you know, in hind- in hindsight, it's easy to see, uh, you know, the connections there. Oh yeah, it's, it's a indeed. Incredible Incredibly cinematic episode, which we will get to. It's the, the but um, I'll say yeah. Back to the opening. Um, I feel like something that's interesting is that a lot of the clips in this first opening are from the pilot film. Yes, Although, that always got me. Yeah, and like and like, there's a lot of shots that are that have been redrawn. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, such as the one with Lupin uh, hanging from a helicopter, and then one where he's standing sort of hunched over a bit. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like they just redrew his face for that. But kept everything else the same as it was in the pilot. They kind of did. I mean, at that point, they didn't have like a bunch of episodes and stuff ready, so they kind of just had to go back on what they had. So I understand right. why. Oh they yeah. Did. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's and just... it's not like it's not like the people watching at the time actually were aware the pilot comes existence anyway. Exactly. Right. right. Because... And also, I think it's. Go ahead. Oh no, no, go ahead, go ahead. I would say I think it's interesting how some of the uh, like some of the shots are direct lifts from the pilot. Yes. Like, I believe, uh, Jigen shooting the guy from behind the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scene of Lupin driving his bins at the very beginning, where the camera, like, slowly zooms in on him. I think yep. that one's just just that same shot from the pilot, but Lupin's uh, jacket and hair have been repainted. Because mm-hmm. there's some bits where it's like, wait a minute, that's not what he looks like in the show. <laughs> right? <laughs> wait. They couldn't get their style down since day one. They just couldn't do it. <laughs> And honestly, that's what I kind of like about the early part one stuff, though, is it's that the, uh, you know, the characters on, you know, seem to change from like shot to shot. Yes. Oh yeah. And different animators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and honestly, I, I kind of dig that. Oh, me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it's still like that even now, you know. 
Right. I mean, you know, like not to the same extent though, because of course not. But I mean, it does kind of remind me a little bit of a, uh, you know, the original manga, mm-hmm. because you know, Monkey Punch seemed to have a aversion to us uh, model sheets, <laughs> and <laughs> and I mean that in the best possible way. You oh, know, yeah. the characters, you know, always look at least slightly different in every panel, and yeah, you know, I, I I can really appreciate that. Oh yeah, it gives you like a real variety too. Right. It's kind of like and, it, it keeps you on your toes. Yeah, and I feel like it makes it. I don't know how to put it, like it almost makes the animation you know feel more alive. I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, because you, you can kind of like see like the individual touches of each artist. Yeah. And you know, I think it's cool. Oh, that's more really authentic. cool. Yeah. It, it, very true. So with that, we will jump right into. Uh, oh, well, I have a brief synopsis here that I totally did not steal from Wikipedia. Um, yeah. <laughs> And so the sn- before we jump in, we'll uh, cover the synopsis and see uh, how it lines up with the actual episode. Oh boy. Okay, so let's see here. The, <clears throat> I'm going to butcher this, the Hida or Haida Speedway has been completed. And Lupin is looking to, take up, looking to take top prize at the first race. The race is actually a trap designed by the Scorpion Gang, who are intent on killing Lupin and eliminating all criminal competition. That sounds about right. Yeah, it's... It's, it's missing a few beats. <laughs> yeah, just a well, few. Well, to be fair, so is the episode. <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll just... So, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I like... I'm just going to get one thing out of the way here. I'm not the biggest fan of this episode. I think it's honestly probably one of the worst possible starts this series could have got. It, it, it's, it's not great, but I do like the cars. <laughs> the cars are cool. I, I, have, I also have, like, very mixed thoughts on this episode. I think it's enjoyable, but I don't think it's a good first episode. <laughs> there's no there's no real how do I put it? Introduction. No. Yeah. yeah exactly. It lacks heavily in that you we we zoom in on a shot of of some guy trying to tamper with Lupin's car and we're supposed to assume we know all these things. Mm-hmm. Like we're right. Right. The only bad storytelling is really like the whole bit with Zenigata and Lupin in the episode. It's it's a really cool like the the fate the the, the tragic kind fate of history of Lupin and Zenigata and their tragic love story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and like I get that, but it's like they don't exactly explain the relationship between the two characters, though. Like, right. like we know that Zenigata wants to capture Lupin for some reason, but it's why? never it's never stated anywhere that Lupin is a thief. Nor yeah. does it. Ex- yeah, the plot I mean, doesn't I mean, revolve around it. I mean, it's like. The closest we get is Zenigata in that, you know, interior monologue mentioning that he is the grandson of Arsene Lupin, but... He knows who that is. Right. I mean, like, do they expect the audience to know who Arsene Lupin is? Which, I mean, the character's pretty popular in Japan at the time, so I guess they would, but at the same time, though, it... And then, uh, let's see, I've also got some other notes here about it. But yeah, like, the show doesn't indicate in this episode Lupin's a master thief. Nope. Or what his motivation would be for participating in this race... Like, That's true. We're just like supposed to assume we know who the Scorpion Gang is. We know that Lupin's an old rival of theirs. Well, I thought they invited him to the race and like they, they assumed that they he did. would do it because like he can't resist competition. Well, yeah. And he's a class he has a class A license, so he knows how to race. So it's just like Which a cracks challenge. me up. A class A C D L A. He can drive a truck. Whoop de doo. <laughs> <laughs> well, be fair, the whole gang can drive a truck. Right. Even going on. 
or in a part two, yeah. yes. <laughs> but like, also, I do think it's kind of funny how, uh, you know, when Scorpion ref- or when the leader of the Scorpion gang refers to Lupin as Scorpion's old enemy, my retro gamer mind immediately went to Sub Zero. <laughs> but also, uh, the mechanical details in the shot of the cars, though. Ooh, like, ooh, good stuff you know, here. Right, because like you know, the manga was never really all that big on that kind of detail. But I feel like with part one, though, is where, well, I mean, I guess to an extent, uh, the pilot film as well, but, you know, it having, like, real-world, you know, brands, like, you know, vehicles and weapons and, you know, rendered with the paints that came out of detail, it's, you know, like I said, you know, we saw a little bit of that in the pilot film, and I think here in part one is where we really start to see that. Mm-hmm. And it also comes up again in uh, Mystery of Mamo. Yes. Right. See, that is true, because, like, especially for the time, for, like, a 1971, like, like an animated show. That's that's some high detail. Yeah. For these vehicles. It's well, yeah. it's still impressive. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, I mean, I think like visually, like the episode, I think is pretty solid. I mean, like there's a lot of great shots in this. Oh yes, there's uh, one shot in particular where it's um, uh, there's two race cars coming up on the horizon, and you see the heat radiating off the like radiating off the ground. Yes. Like, the, that shot is it's it's so good. I also. Uh, the bit where the logs accidentally spill into the track. Oh, yeah. And then Lupin, like, leans over in the car with this gigantic, goofy grin on his face. <laughs> that, is, that, that, is, that is such a monkey punch-like shot, and I love it. it. Me too. That's the thing. Like, it's not the best first episode, but it does have little great moments that are, like, 100% just the characters to a T. Yeah, it really is. Um I still love just Jigen chilling at the oh, beginning. Oh, yeah. Just t- <laughs> tapping his toe. The birds are chirping, and Lupin's like, I wasn't talking about you. <laughs> See, my bootleg DVD actually had, actually typed out the tune that the birds were singing, according to Jigen. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's like, and the birds are singing with the peachy chi choo like, <laughs> like, he, he doesn't, I don't think he actually said that, but all right. <laughs> Sure, why not? Also, also the fact that Lupin refers to, like when Lupin says, I'm not talking about you, how about my lover, Fujiko Mine? That is an awkward line. Yeah. It really is. Speaking of Fujiko. Speaking of awkward. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Fujiko, why? Why is she doing what she's doing? I don't know. She, so she's spying on Scorpion, just <laughs> hiding on, a, on their light? <laughs> I, or, uh, I mean, it's just, I mean, like, you know, she snuck into the Hotel Miracle to spy on Scorpion because... Reasons. Why? Well, I guess. I think we're supposed to assume that somebody asked her to, and I'm thinking that was Lupin. Right. Probably. But why? I mean, like, you know, he already knows it's a tra- trap. Right. And, and then, like, when Lupin, when Lupin Jigen did the whole... I'm sorry, I keep interrupting no, you. No, go ahead. Uh, but when Lupin Jigen did the whole switcheroo thing... They do it like they had planned for this. Like they knew Fujiko was going to get captured at some point. They don't trust women. What can you say? It was a misogynistic... Well, <laughs> in Japan. I mean, you know... <laughs> because see, like, you know, the manga... Because this is based on a manga chapter. It's based on... Let me check my notes here. I know that the, uh, the original Japanese version of the uh, story was called uh, Dead Heat. Oh, yeah. And it was... Uh, yeah, and it was... In uh, Tokyo Pop's edition, it was called uh, Grand Theft Auto, yeah. which I thought, I thought was a pretty clever play on words, because in the manga version of the story, there's no scorpion involved. Huh. 
Lupin is participating in this race to serve as a distraction while he goes and robs a bank. Okay. So, you know, and that's going to be his alibi. It's like Lupin can't rob the bank because he was racing. Zenigata was right behind him the whole time. Hmm. And so, I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, know, because like we've established that Lupin's a thief, and uh, honestly, the heist itself in the manga was a lot of fun with uh, Lupin disguising himself as the bank manager, Mm -hmm. but also disguising the bank manager as him. With the mask of the bank manager's own face over top of that, so everybody's just like unmasking each other and discovering it's the bank manager. No, it's Lupin. Wait, no, it actually is the bank manager. No, it's Lupin. It's. I mean, <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, Fujiko doesn't get captured at any point. She's actually there to, uh, I guess, like service lookout because at one point she discovers that somebody is recording footage of the race and notices two cars coming out of the tunnel, and so Fujiko actually has to stop him. This and sounds like a much better story. It does. Yeah, it really was. And, of course, there's the bit at the end where, uh, you know, they, Lupin, Jigen switch back. Um, you know, Lupin wins the race, gets the trophy, everybody's celebrating. Then the guy gets out of his car, and all of a sudden, people from the bank run up. like, Inspector, Lupin just robbed the bank. What? No, he can't. I was behind him the whole time. Come here, quick. He's being carried off. Like, you idiot. Lupin's right in front of you. Ah, I hate this manga. <laughs> <laughs> there's also a bit at the beginning where uh, Lupin hits Zenigata with a vending machine. Uh, <laughs> uh... <laughs> A vending machine. Wait, no, I tell you about Fujiko hits him with one. She has oh, a even better. Yeah, like, you know, Zenigata's approaching Lupin, all of a sudden Fujiko comes up with a vending machine on a dolly and smacks him with it. Ha! Zenigata gets up, he's like, that's it. Monkey punch, I quit. I do all the words. <laughs> Lupin gets all the words. Or Lupin gets all the rewards. Grumble, grumble. grumble. You know, I still, have, I still have some dignity, you know. Then he pops up the next page. I was lying, I have no dignity whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> It's charming, if not a little scandalous, but I love it. I, I think it's great. Uh, poor, poor Fujiko in this episode does not get anything interesting to do, really. She does not. She gets <laughs> uh, immediately captured. And also, I'm going to point out some. As much as I love the soundtrack in this series, which was composed by uh, Takeo Yamashita, um, in this first episode, it seems like whoever was in the music supervisor did not know where to put music at appropriate times. Right? Because Fujiko gets captured, is being, like, raised up into the main room, and there's just this really happy, like, relaxed, just, like, little march. Well, I mean, like, it kind of works, though, because, like, you know, Fujiko has that knowing smirk on her face. That's true. Because I think, I feel like it kind of sells the fact that she's not scared in the least. So, although it, there are also there are some points in in these first few episodes, but I don't remember if it's in this one specifically where the music would just suddenly start and stop. Yes, at really mm-hmm. awkward times. Also, the bit when Lu- when Zenigata is thinking about his and Lupin's mm-hmm. destinies being intertwined, yep. we have that gentle country music suddenly <laughs> cutting <Yes>. in, <laughs> and it makes it feel really melancholy and nostalgic, and just like this is the first episode. <laughs> What is it be nostalgic for? We're going deep into Zenigata's psyche. Right. Turns out Zenigata's inner monologue is soft country. <laughs> Honestly, not Sure, why not? <laughs> Although I do love how um, we get a like few instances of the song, Afro Lupin 68. Yes. Yeah, my AKA favorite theme. theme. Right, especially in part one. Uh, like the bit where uh, you know that song is playing as the cars are exploding near the end. Mm-hmm. I think that's timed perfectly. I love it. Yes. Um, there are some, some moments where, like, the sound design is 
I I really enjoyed it specifically when Lupin and Jigen do the switcheroo, and it just goes dead quiet with just like the ticking clock. Me yeah. too. And, and it gives it a nice dramatic flair, you know. Yes. Yeah. And that freeze frame when Jigen jumps over Lupin and like they do the switch and it just goes dead quiet for a second. Yep. Yeah. That that holds up really well. It does. What holds up arguably less so, if it can be debated, is the strange transition when Lupin goes from being in the race car to riding the motorcycle up the hill. Yeah. There's that weird back and forth just like Lupin's face, bike, but face, bike, face, bike, face, bike, face, bike, bike. <laughs> <laughs> That, that always threw me for a loop. I, I never quite understood that transition. Oh. I know it's a common thing back in those uh, that era of animation, though, because they, they I think they did it in uh, anime similar like uh, Speed Racer and what have you. Yeah. It's just it, it 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 really kind of throws you off for a second. It, it's jarring because again, yeah. it, it's that relaxing version of the first Lupin theme, which I'm. Uh, it, it, it gives you like you know, a really laid back, relaxed feel. And there's just this like janky editing. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I was getting relaxed. And, and I feel like, you know, that shot of Lupin on the bike, you know, going to rescue Fujiko is oddly heroic. It, it kind of is. Can you the face? The what? His face when he's riding that bike. <laughs> <laughs> Seems very... They're very pleased with themselves. Yeah. <laughs> also, Sorry. I feel like we also got to talk a little bit about Fujiko. What happens to her? Uh, yes. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. For so better or worse. Is where, this is where we all know uh, the animators, if not the the writers, have a bit of a fetish. A very, a, a very thinly veiled fetish. At that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was gonna say something. This like you have something this kinky going on. And it was not in the original manga version of the story. Shockingly. <laughs> well, no, well, no, we'll get to the shocking part later. <laughs> <laughs> you just have Monkey Punch at home watching the first episode like, dang, I didn't. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? He <laughs> <laughs> takes a note. Like, hmm. <laughs> like, something that always stuck out with me, especially watching as a 14-year-old, is the bit when uh, you know the leader of a Scopian, as they spell it, <laughs> pulls out that little prosthetic hand and refers to the racetrack using Fujiko's body as an example. Right. Yeah. Mountains, valleys, and maybe a surprise pothole. <laughs> that is ugh, sleazy. Now, oh, yeah. Which, which, I mean, I get he's the bad guy, but it's like, it's like, okay, we get it. This is a show for adults. All right. <laughs> get it. It's because it starts very threatening at first. And you can tell, like, okay, this is being weirdly, like, Threatening and kinky. I'm feeling very uncomfortable. And then it gets... Very exploitative. It gets tickly. It does. It, mm, I I don't like this part. I don't think anyone does. Well, no. a few people do. But we're yeah, not going to talk about just, I mean, I guess the, next, I guess the people liked it for them to bring it back in the uh, 50th anniversary OVA. Oh, well, boy, that's my least favorite part of that thing, too. Yeah... And then they expanded on it. Yeah, they did. Yep. <laughs> With mechanical lips. Uh, yep. I'm glad I haven't seen this yet. <laughs> Becca's face. I turned and looked at it. She was just like, <laughs> shock and disbelief. It's a, I mean, it's okay. Toonami's going to be showing it soon. Yeah. 
Oh boy, that'd be fun for like someone to stumble across at 3 a.m. never hearing a Lupin before. <laughs> oh boy. They're gonna be like, what kind of pornography is this? Let me see if and, Dragon Ball Z. Oh no. <laughs> and then, then they're like, oh, this is Adult Swim. That came with too many cooks. Never mind. <laughs> this is far from the weirdest thing they've ever shown on here. Very true. I don't know, something doesn't sit well with me about like Fujiko's first appearance being pretty much yeah. an utter damsel in distress. Yeah. yeah. In a especially very, like, I was gonna say, especially because, uh, because you know the the original version of the story did not feature her in that role. No. It was she was actually fairly proactive in it. Mm-hmm. She just becomes like the damsel in distress, then it's like the really blatant backstabbing at the end of it. And it's like, okay, maybe not. Which, I mean, like, I'll say, like, I don't have a problem with her role in, you know, after she's rescued. I, I, that's actually pretty on brand for her, I oh, think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she does manage to come out on top. She does. Yeah. But I also got to say, I really like the whole bit with uh, with Lupin actually going to rescue her. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Where he, where he disguises himself as a plumber. Lupin the plumber. <laughs> Who, of course, visits the ladies' room first. Right. Naturally. And, and wreaks complete havoc. Yes, and like honestly, that's probably my favorite bit of the whole episode. Because God, same. Because like it's, I like it's just like really goofy, like slapstick comedy for a lot of it, and it does feel really monkey punch esque. It does, especially the bit where we have like Lupin with the drill. Oh yeah, <laughs> drilling through a pipe. He hits somebody, and all of a sudden, water just gushes out, knocking him backwards. And then we see him in the then we see him in the elevator wringing his clothes out. Yep. With the clothesline and everything. Yes. Yep. <laughs> or the bit where the uh, the hotel manager realizes who he is. Mm-hmm. Lupin just smiles at him, then bonks him on the head with his mallet. <laughs> <laughs> Which that has to hurt. Well, yeah, but it's funny. Oh, yeah. You know, that's, uh, that's, just, that's just cartoon violence for you. It is, it is like a perfect setup for just like Lupin as a whole because like you get this like opening and like he seems like this really like awesome... Like this, you know, like this, you know, almost like almost kind of suave, really on top of everything. Like, you know, he pulls a perfect like, you know, switcheroo maneuver. Right, exactly. He like boldly goes to the Scorpion headquarters only to start banging on toilets. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way of putting it, too. Banging on toilets. And like, you know, again, like it's probably my favorite part of the episode because. Oh, yeah. And also uh, the bit where Lupin makes his dramatic entrance Ooh. into into the room where Fujiko's being held. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know that you know that's admittedly really cool. It although is. him although him electri- electrifying everybody in the room, not so much. <laughs> yeah, that that that, that, that they kind of caught Becca off guard first time. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, I mean like that's that's kind of extreme even for you know. You know, early Lupin the Third. It's like, yeah, I, I can't see Monkey Punch Lupin doing something like that. No. Even though the boss doesn't die, even though he, he probably should have. Right. <laughs> it's like it's almost like a. I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, things Mr. Welch can no longer do in an RPG, but one of the uh, entries in that says, uh, "Drowning an an army of orcs is heroic. Drowning them one at a time is not." <laughs> and this seems kind of like the reverse of that. It's like maybe if I like electrocuted one guy trying to kill him, that's that's one thing. But the fact that he just cold bloodedly executes all of them at once. Yep. <laughs> right. And then later in the episode when uh he starts burning everything down in the yeah. scene, it's just like, Are you just a psychopath? 
His murder, his murder spree uh, intensifies at the end a little bit. <laughs> Just a wee right. It does. Because Especially because, like, like, he mentions that the uh, that the other cars, or like the drivers, are all working for Scorpion, but they don't actually do anything to him. No. Right. All he do is just race against them. Yeah. And that's apparently enough to, for them to die. It's not made clear whether or not the entire audience is Scorpion or not. <laughs> You get this really almost unsettling shot of everyone fleeing on, like, it's just surrounded by fire. In this really awesome moment where it's like, you know, Lupin's blowing stuff up, he's cool, he's murdering an entire stadium. Oh, <laughs> wait. Which, Yikes. That's what they get from S1 Lupin the Third. My favorite, my favorite part of that is after everything burns down, it cuts to Zinigata with just this dumbfounded look <laughs> just staring at the remains the first of many just like what what did you do are you happy with what you've done <laughs> I feel like the part with uh, Lupin being given the trophy I think it's really cool yes especially with the whole countdown the way, Mister, hey Mr. Chairman catch <laughs> right I love the, the facial animation there, like his big Me evil too. grin. Right, you know, very, you know, very. That whole gag is very monkey punch esque, I think. Yeah. You know, I, like the cartoony explosion and the chairman just like lying there, charred but alive. Yeah. It's, right. You know, it's it's very uh, you know old school cartoony. I love that. Oh yeah, and that's the thing. It transitions from <laughs> goofy cartoonish dudes blowing up to like just outright murder. Yeah. <laughs> but with the kick-ass song playing. Yes. <laughs> Afro Lupin 68, aka the best music in part one. Theme of Walter, I think, is, what the, is, is also what's called. I think so. Because that. I've heard, I've heard both. It's almost the exclusive, like, like focus of the lyrics. Yeah. G38! <laughs> Um, and then it is revealed that this whole entire time, Fujiko has been working with none other than Inspector Zenigata. I hate this part. <laughs> I, it's not even like, Fujiko, I think, would definitely like team up with Zenigata. It's just, I don't believe Zenigata would be like, yeah, I'm going to consult with Fujiko to get Lupin. It, it just doesn't make sense to oh, me. I don't boy. Like it. Oh, wait till we get to the woman call Fujiko Amine. Yeah. <laughs> 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 they they uh they cooperate. Oh, <laughs> Putting it lightly there, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Are you talking about the one episode? Yes, the one episode of that entire series I don't like. Yes. Ah. Yeah, same, same, same. But, but we'll get okay. to that. I mean, I don't know. I think the episode's pretty good. Just that one scene. <laughs> it's that and and a few other little moments of him doing some creepy things. It's just that one episode. It could. It, <laughs> 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 But okay, anyway. so it's left that so it's left that one episode more one character in that one episode. Yes, gotcha. But but no, I get that. Hey. Like it's strange that he like colluded with a criminal such as Fujiko. Especially because we don't know anything about him either. So it's just right. like, why would he be consulting with her unless like he was that determined to get him? And especially since like his his sense of justice has been like really established, where he's he he he, he has to chase Lupin because he is. He's very dedicated. Which, like, I'm like, you know, as someone who's read through, you know, pretty much all the original manga series, I, I can kind of, you know, see some of Pops's characterization in that, uh-huh. in this episode because there's several chapters where Zenigata will just like do flat out illegal things, you know, yeah. to capture Lupin. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, I know there's one where 
in the Tokyo Pop translation, he actually flat out says, I don't care if this does count as entrapment. We have to capture this guy. <laughs> it's like, and like, you know, me reading that teenagers are like, entrapment? Looks it up. Oh, that's illegal. <laughs> yeah, police officers shouldn't be doing that. They really shouldn't. Mm. No, they really shouldn't. And, you know, then there's the whole fact that, you know, Fujiko, like I said last time, was not a single character in the manga. No. And I know there's there's at least one chapter, I think the same one where he mentions entrapment. Mm-hmm. It's the one where Lupin's completely wasted for the whole thing. It's great. But <laughs> Fujiko is actually a police officer in that one. Oh. They oh. actually refer to her as Officer Mine. Ha! So, so yeah, I, I feel like there's just like a little bit of, you know, the source material coming through. Mm-hmm. Because the characters weren't really all that well established yet. Yeah, yeah. It's still like, finding its footing, too. Like, Right, yeah. It, it, and also this the kinks. This, <laughs> oh, no, trust me, there's plenty of kinks in this episode. Oh. But, but, like, also doesn't Jigen refer to Fujiko as babe at one point? I after she's rescued? I or is that yeah, just I, I totally remember I that. think he does. Yeah, it's also weird. Again, you know, it's just, you know, still trying to figure out the characters and all that. Yeah, and, like, on that topic, when Zenigata reveals that he's caught Jigen, Lupin <laughs> immediately just like, I don't know that guy. He's <laughs> so mean. Jigen, I mean, uh, who is this guy? <laughs> like, you know, when you watch further down the line, like, you, you get really familiar with it, you're like, he would never. <laughs> hey, he might. <laughs> well, yeah. Lupin's kind of a dick. <laughs> this is true. It, it, yeah. <laughs> I, I want thought... to believe that he wouldn't do that. <laughs> I think we all do. We all want to be like, oh, they're 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 best friends. They would never do that. Well, best friends do this to people all the, to each other all the time. This is true. <laughs> and then uh, I also feel like Lupin's escape is is really funny. It's my, <laughs> I, I love the note this episode ends on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, then a guy gave me a big speech about freedom, <laughs> and then he's like, all right, come on, let's go. I have resistance speed up. Come on, Lupin. Come on. <laughs> He's actually pulling the car. Yep. And we just get that great shot, you know, with the, you know, the gentle music playing. No audio otherwise. <laughs> as Zenigai screams into the sky. <laughs> per- presumably, he's screaming Lupin's name. Oh, of course. It's, yeah, it's great. I love how Zenigata just does not bother to look back to see if he's there. It's, it almost implies like this has happened before. Lupin's just gone completely limp. It just made him drag it. You know, like a little child in a grocery store and their mom. That's totally what that is. That's what he did the first time Zenigata caught him. He just played dead. <laughs> Also, there was like, a temper tantrum. <laughs> also, I feel like um, earlier, when uh, Lupin mentally comments on Zenigata's uh, uh, racing ability, that's the first uh, Totsama again we get. Oh, you're oh, right. Yeah. It's like, Zenigata, old man, you're not a bad driver, according to the uh, discotheque subs. Right. And you actually hear him say Totsan. Or Totsan. How do you pronounce pops in Japanese? I think it's Totsan. Something like that, but you know, Lupin's nickname for Zenigata. It because like I've heard people say it comes in the uh, like in one of you know Miyazaki's first episodes, but mm-hmm. no, it's it, it was here. I noticed that last time I watched it. Oh, wow, hmm. a little, little starting on one of the most iconic, most iconic uh, elements there. Right, because 
you know, uh, the manga implied that Lupin and Zenigata were about the same age. Because they actually went to college together. <laughs> <laughs> Which is something the anime never touched on. Yeah. That would be interesting to see. That chapter <laughs> cracked me up. Oh, that's... that's Well, I mean, it was a whole story arc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's... I'm not going to say it's one of my favorites, but it's interesting. It was interesting. I will... As much as I've read the manga, it's not my favorite. Um, I know what my favorite chapters are, but story that's it for another time, you know. <laughs> I was gonna say that bit with uh, you know, Lupin admitting that uh, he's not upset by Fujiko's betrayal. Yeah, I think it's another good uh, you know, moment of characterization. Oh yeah, yeah. And I like I like how he said that betrayal is just another one of a woman's accessories. Yep. Which came up so many years later. In Lupin III versus Detective Conan. Oh, oh yeah. It was the it was the movie, wasn't it? I think. I believe so. Yeah, because I think Fujiko tells that to what's her name Ai. Yeah. The trailer is just one of a woman's accessories, and because I remember watching that movie, I was like, "Wow, that's a callback I was not expecting." <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Throwing it back there. Yeah, which to be fair, it also included a bunch of you know redone moments from the pilot film, so I guess I shouldn't been surprised, but still. That's true, because the entire opening is just, like, bits from the pilot film. Right. Well, expand it on a little bit. Like, going on cutting the moon in half, or Jigen, <laughs> or Jigen holding up a sign that said, Don't call me Papa. <laughs> uh, Alright, so overall, this episode, a little weird. Yeah. Pretty okay, has some issues, but... Honestly, you know. it would have just been better if they would have moved episode two to be the first episode, and just moved this one to a different one. <laughs> That's my opinion on it. Episode 2 would be an interesting first episode. Yeah, and, I mean, like, I, I think I agree with you, Becca. Like, I feel like it's an okay episode if you're already familiar with the series. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's just, it's just, it sucks as a as an introduction. Because the only way that would work is, like, um, I think of the Batman animated series. Like, the first episode isn't a big, like, Joker episode. But it's just that Batman had been so established by then that you didn't need the big Joker episode. You can go to the, like, the Batman. So. Right. <laughs> I, I see it as that. It's just, like, it's not established enough to where it can do the whole, like, we're in the middle of the action kind of episode. Right. That's true, because, like, by that point, like, Batman had been around since, you know, since 1939, whereas Lupin had only been around since 67. Mm-hmm. So, so it is, it is yeah. a little strange that just kind of throws you in the deep end. Yeah. Especially if you're Especially, brand new to it. Right. Like yeah. The, the, the idea that Lupin III is a master thief is never mentioned once. No. Nope. Like, if they just include the whole bank robbery thing for the manga, I feel like that would have improved the episode imme- immensely. Oh, yes. Oh, definitely. But without instead, a doubt. But instead, we get this whole thing with, you know, Fujiko being tortured in a kinky way and Scorpion and Hotel Miracle and why... Also, you know, if you think about it, this whole so like technically with the Scorpion Corporation, aren't they like pretty much just you know looking at Lupin and saying get over here? <laughs> yeah, I can see. Yeah, Mister X is just watching uh, the race. Finish him already. <laughs> uh, that's, that's more Shao Kahn. Anyway, also, I mean, this is probably just a me thing, but I feel like it. Uh, I might even like the episode a little bit more if it. If instead of Scorpion, they were referred to as the Rat Clan. Yes. You know, Lupin's uh, arch enemies from the manga. Right. Which, which never showed up in the anime at all. 
until part five. Yeah, it took a while. <laughs> it really did. Over 50 years. Yeah, but for anyone who doesn't know, Becky's looking at me and asking <laughs> when they are the assassins in uh, episode, was it episode three? Oh, the, when all of them came to kill. Yeah, okay. you, you see some members of the yeah. Rat Clan. Right. Because you're telling me all the, the references to all the characters. Yes. And um, say the original manga, but also in the sequel, you know, Shin Lupin the Third, a.k.a. World's Most Wanted, uh, the Rat Clan is, is a uh, group of recurring antagonists. You know, Lupin's always butting heads with them, and like, they're actually a pretty major part. And I'm just just always kind of struck me as strange that they never appeared in anime. That's <laughs> true. Until last year, and then they were immediately killed. <laughs> <laughs> well, on the subject of um, uh, what, let's say, compelling villains, we're gonna <laughs> from jump, the manga. Yeah, in, indeed. We're gonna drop straight to episode two. They man, they called a magician, which aired on fittingly October thirty first, nineteen seventy one. Ah, which again was directed by Masaki Osumi, written by Atsushi Yamatoya, and the. Uh, okay, so the synopsis for this episode is Fujiko has stolen something from a man named Paikal, and he wants it back. Paikal is a magician who is able to shoot flames from his hands, walk on hair, and deflect bullets with ease. Lupin goes up against Paikal in hopes of saving Fujiko. That is the most bare-bones <laughs> synopsis ever. It really is. <laughs> I love how this episode starts. It starts so serene, where it's just, you know, Lupin... He's so serene with Paikal being shot to death. Oh, wait, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna cut that part Tranquil. Out. No, keep it in. Keep it in. Wait a second. Like, I feel like it's important to point out that I feel like the two goons coming into Pike House room and gunning them down seems to be taken from from the pilot film. It really does seem like it. Right. I mean, yeah. I don't think it's a direct swipe, but it's. I feel like it was definitely inspired by that opening scene of the pilot. Oh yeah. Right. Although, although it actually has a purpose here. Right. Because it doesn't pilot. It's just two guys open open up a door, start shooting everything. And then we cut to something else. Whereas in, whereas in this episode, we see them shooting high power to establish that he's bulletproof for right. the audience. And, well, you know, I'll never get over the abridged episode somebody made and put on YouTube years ago to this, uh, this absolute <laughs> interest, absolutely interesting episode. Uh <laughs> It always cracks me up because they, these two gangster guys go and shoot this guy, and they're like, you want to see a movie? There's this new one out. It's called Godfather. <laughs> and then it cuts to Paikal saying, well, too bad they didn't know I was, I'm impervious to bullets. That sounds almost like something they do in like a part two dev scenario. Right. <laughs> this is the reason why I wish part one had been dubbed. It would have been so interesting to hear. Reminds me of the bulletproof tables line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, yeah. So this episode does not start remotely serene. It's kind of upsetting. <laughs> a little bit. The most upsetting at all. The title is put onto a blue background. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How dare they! Really messing with me here. Sacred. <laughs> you must not disturb the <laughs> sacred text. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, f- 
further cementing the fact that this is not a kid's show, you see Pykow get brutally riddled with bullets. Oh, yeah. And, like, to the point that he's, like, shot off of his own bed. Mm-hmm. How's that for a wake-up call? Yeah. Whew. You call to the hotel. Uh, yes, I'd like to set an alarm for, like, <laughs> 8, 9 a.m. <laughs> okay, sir. <laughs> Send two bellboys up with the uh, Tommy guns. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but of course, we realize with the opening of one of his, uh, one of his emo eyes, Pykow is not dead. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Pykow is an emo. Am, am I wrong in saying that? No. He looks emo. He looks emo. <laughs> He's, uh, yeah, he, he, was, yeah, he was ahead of the curve. Exactly. <laughs> Proto-emo. <laughs> yeah. Which, like, Something I think is kind of interesting about about Pykow's appearance, especially if you compare him to the manga, because mm-hmm. like in the uh, anime, you know, he wears that white suit, yeah, you know, green shirt and tie. Where in the anime, he he dresses completely differently. You know, he's got like he's wearing I think like an ascot or like a loose scarf or something. And you know, the fact that he has a very different appearance than most of Monkey Punch's other other male characters mm-hmm. kind of makes you wonder if maybe he was designed to be like I don't know, like a dandy perhaps. Oh. You know, you know, like you know, like, like someone who's maybe like less macho but very stylish, right? And I feel like with the uh, anime design of it, 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 it kind of takes away from that a little bit. Now I, I really just like like a really like dandy pie cow. It's like go oh, Lupin, I shall burn you with my finger. <laughs> right, like, like, like I mean, like I, I feel like that's that's what that's what Monkey Punch is going for. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you know the anime version doesn't really you know get that across. But and like I I guess I understand because I feel like. You know, it'd probably been easier to draw, you know, that suit, you know, you know, for 22 minutes. Right. Of, of, an, of an episode that would be his more, I guess, elaborate look, but, or maybe not, I don't know. You know, I know this is kind of like off of, off topic for a second here, but there was this one character from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, um, the comic. And I forget his name off the top of my hand, but he looks like a, a Pyco clone. And he even got similar powers, including, like, the fire and everything. Isn't oh, that I... the character that Jason Schwartzman plays in the movie? I think so. Yeah, he looks like yeah. Pycal. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was the first Evil X, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, because I remember, like, he summoned, like, the uh, you know the hipster chicks to his system. Right, right. Or or maybe that was just a video game. <laughs> no, I think it was in the, in the movie. Maybe in the comic, too. But, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Yeah, he, he was basically a Pycal a clone. So, oh, right on. I don't know if it was intentional. I just wanted to point out the similarity. <laughs> <laughs> now, after this, we do get to a very serene scene where we have <laughs> Lupin on a little floating... What was he called? It? <laughs> I called it a cabana boat. That's definitely not what it is. That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> it's, like, it's just like a wooden plank like on top of like... <laughs> Floaties. It's 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 a wooden plank on floaties with a little like tent over it. <laughs> a raft. Yeah, a raft. A, a luxury that's, raft. That's a, a luxury cabana raft. raft. <laughs> a cabana raft. <laughs> of course, we see Lupin just laying on his belly with his feet crossed, fishing, very nonchalantly. While Jigen's just being a badass. <laughs> oh, the animation when he's like target pra- doing his target practice. It's right. It's incredible. Okay, so this episode, you know this episode is going to be like a little weird when that octopus sneaks on Lupin's <laughs> raft. Oh, yeah. You're kind of like, I've seen a pin tie know where this is going, but turns out it is. 
Oh no! Oh boy! More tickling! <laughs> Stop, please! <laughs> uh, cut that part out. <laughs> no. <laughs> but you know, we get Jean. You know, target practicing, being cool as he always is. Lupin. Lupin shows up quickly, fully dressed. Well, I mean, you know, we don't know how much time there was between Lupin being on the cabana raft and, you know, Jigen practicing his trick shots. This is true. Now, Although, I, I especially love the mirror shot, by the way. Yes. Me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And especially the way Jigen smiles to himself. Right. <laughs> you know. He's proud of his skill. Yeah, I mean, as he should be. Right. Like, yeah, like, yeah I know I'm cool. That's the thing, like, most of the characters are, like, still kind of finding their footing, except for Jigen. He's always been... <laughs> Just, just kind of perfect from day one. Oh, right? Yeah. From that first shot of him laying in the field tapping his foot. The lounge king. <laughs> as as some people in the fandom will call them. Yes. Right. Which we see a little bit of that later in this episode. When he's uh, on the couch. Oh, yeah. Twice. Now, there's something really... This episode is one of my favorites for many reasons. And one of them is just... The moment Lupin comes back and talks to Jigen, you hear Fujiko... Like singing this really haunting lullaby, yeah, and it really kind of lulls you into like this episode for me is oddly surreal. Right, it is, but in the best possible way. Oh yes, because you get Jigen talking about how like she appeared like really strangely, and you harsh cut to this really nightmarish scene of them yeah. driving through a forest yes. like entirely on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's like. Almost just like blood red. Yeah. It it's like the first time I watched this one. This one freaked me out because I watched this one pretty late. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Lupin. I was like, what? Excuse me. <laughs> and of course, I I guess also to like really sell the fact this was meant for adults. We do get that shower scene. Yeah. World's smallest butt crack. Yeah. <laughs> right. Back at, back in the day, there was a uh, a website that had a it, it was an Italian fan site that had oh. screen cap storyboards of certain part one episodes ah. and this is one of those and when it gets to that shot it was just no comment it's like yeah what else there to be said booty all right moving on <laughs> i almost want to think that like whoever drew that one specific frame was too scared to, to like draw it's like, it's, like when he got to the butt he like drew one little tiny line he's like okay i'm done <laughs> He was dreading it the entire time. She so goes around it like multiple times, and it finally it's like it comes to the final line, and he's just like, <laughs> he, was the, he was the one animator that was approved. He's like, okay, I didn't watch. Never again. Also, um, is this round part where uh, Lupin refers to Fujiko as his lover again? Yes. And Jigen laughs at him for it. <laughs> No, that so. that is on like, point. Like I like that. You know, it's yes. like it's all things I was like, hey, that was a really awkward line in the last episode. Let's have Jigen acknowledge it. <laughs> He's like, ah, my lover Fujiko. <laughs> 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 now, uh, an incredibly important aspect of Lupin's character is revealed in the next scene. While well, it, it's really adorable, he's making dinner. And he has a cute little bow on the back of his apron. He's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> Which, it kind of makes you wonder who tied that. But that humor Jigen. Jigen. (laughs) And then uh, Jigen offers to cook an octopus. We asked, what should we do with this? And he, Lupin takes one look at it and goes seven shades paler. (laughs) (laughs) He goes almost purple. 
<laughs> he, tur- he turns the, the color of a corpse at that point. He's like, ah. And help! he just screams, help. <laughs> Not get the thing away from me, just help. Help me. <laughs> out the house. <laughs> Jiggy's just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> forgot. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. He's oh, yeah, like, he's allergic. Is it allergic or is it just seeing an octopus gives him a rash? But I've heard of people getting rashes or hives just by stress. Well, I've. In, in the uh, bootleg, um, Jigen says, I was like, oh, I, f- I forgot seeing one of these makes him break out in hives, but I, I don't remember what the uh, official subs say. Basically, uh, seeing it is enough to give him a rash, is yeah, what it yeah. says. Yeah, something like that. And we, uh, Paikal approaches their uh, their hideout with <laughs> well, uh, hold on a, a, a three wheel car. I feel, I feel like we should point out that he's on <laughs> humming as he goes to get Fujiko. Yeah, calling her princess, no less. I mean, I mean, just what Yasuo Yamada has Lupin humming mm-hmm. as he like you know straightens himself up in front of the mirror, puts a uh, flower in his jacket. You know, it's <laughs> it's hilarious and also kind of adorable. It's adorable. <laughs> More adorable <laughs> the way he trots up the staircase. Yes. <laughs> oh, that walk cycle. Let's talk about that. <laughs> oh, so good. The biggest like possible like strides he can make. <laughs> it's like the most bow-legged legs <laughs> one step at a time it's like he had a, a ta- he, when he was a kid he had to talk with his grandpa he's like okay this is what you gotta do to get a woman and he's just like you have to be confident your stride has to be long and he's like okay and then just <laughs> you know, if, I was saying considering Arsene Lupin that's probably not too out of the out of the own possibility <laughs> And then I love how Jigen just walks up and just watches him go up and just shrugs. <laughs> just, okay. okay. You you do you. Alright, man, whatever. But then he notices that uh someone's at the door. Yeah, and he got quite the uh greeting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think don't you hear him off screen go, ah! Yeah, he basically <laughs> screams and uh Lupin comes running and Jigen's just on fire. <laughs> uh, he's sort of smoldering at that point. Just like, well, I'm right. fine. He's like, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> he's like, nah, I'm fine. Now, uh, I feel like I probably should mention this sooner, but the uh, manga version of the story starts off differently. Actually, I take it back. I'll, I'll mention it later. But there is a bit in the manga, in the English version, when we actually see Jigen's first appearance ever. Ah. It's after, after Cow points at Lupin and almost burns his face off. Nice. There's a bit where uh, you know, Lupin refuses to let him get to where the girl of the week is. Lupin's like, well, if you want to get to her, you got to go through me. Pico says, if you insist, I insist. Pico points at Lupin's face, you know, shoots a jet of fire at him. Right. Falls to the ground, and later we see Lupin with, like, some Band-Aid stuck to his face. <laughs> talking to Jigen, you know, appearing for the first time. He's like, well, I'll say this. When he gives you the finger, he means it. <laughs> <laughs> and so Pico just kind of strides up the step, the steps despite the fact that Lupin's pointing a gun at him. Apparently there is a... I forgot, on the discotheque DVD they mentioned there's some sort of play on words when Paikal looks at Lupin and says, you know, like, you know, my name's Paikal, and Lupin says, ah, sounds like something I could, I could get drunk off of. Apparently there's right. like, yeah. like a play on, like, some type of alcoholic beverage. Like, uh, Paikaru or yes. something? Yes. Which is what the uh, Tokyo Pop edition of the manga called them. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's they, right. They, they I was like, I knew that sounded familiar. Yeah, Sorry. they didn't actually call him Paikau, they called him Paikaru. 
That's funny. Except for a later, I mean, like this really isn't a spoiler for the anime, but in uh, volume two, um, we meet a woman who claims to be Pycow's widow. Ooh. Yeah, and uh, but the Tokyo Pop translation screws it up again by referring to him as Vicow. Oh. <laughs> it's like, uh, all right, close enough, I guess. I guess. It's like, I, it's like I'm pretty sure I know who this is. All right, move on. Pycow strides up the stairs. Lupin just says, you know, turn around and face me, you drunkard. <laughs> Pycow turns. And there's this kind of goofy. His hand slides up into frame. There's a shot of Lupin just looking at him with his lip pursed upwards. Just like. <laughs> it's such a great shot. Especially because we get like the shot of Lupin with like a really confident smile first. Yeah, right. Then Pycow points at him. Then we see the same shot, but now Lupin has a more determined expression. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you know, they're both really well-drawn shots. And Twitch Lupin gets completely set on fire. Which is going to be a recurring theme in Osumi's run of the series. Yep. And Jigen tries to put him out with his jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Just making it worse. He's, he's doing his best. Hey, what are friends for? Lupin gets up and scrunches his face. Like, <laughs> that's his reaction to being set on fire. Is, hmm. Yeah, same. Is Lupin burning? Yes. <laughs> yes. He is now. He is now. And then they riddle Pycow with bullets and he is seemingly unaf- unaffected. Now, the one that always gets me, I know that he is has the bulletproof lining, but Jigen shoots him directly in the head. With a 357. <laughs> yeah. Cow just kind of goes like, Mip. which I mean, like I kind of like that shot though too. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, we see we you can actually see the bullet bounce off his head. Yep. And he just smirks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Internally, he's like, ah. That <laughs> hurt. Like, Ow. <laughs> he's, he's, he's like trying to refrain from acknowledging that he now has a, con- a, a concussion. In a now in the manga, Lupin was the one that shot him in the head. Oh. Because when uh, we see him talking to Jigen later, Lupin's like, I shot at him, no effect. Jigen's like, maybe he was wearing a bulletproof vest. On his face? Yeah. <laughs> and Lupin's like, maybe it was magic. Jigen's like, ah, hooey. Ah, hooey. That's course. one of my favorite frames. I think I took a picture of it. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Hooey is a very Jigen word. It is. Oh, it is. Hooey. Let's see. And then, um, uh, <clears throat> proving that Fujiko has much more agency in this episode, Paikau comes in the door and she lights him up. Oh, yeah. And she has about as much effect as the mobsters did, though. Yeah. And, of course, he gets also, smacked, which is always, ugh. Well, I mean, I can kind of let it slide, though, because it is establishing that Paikau is a juggernaut. This is true. He is, he is, he is completely unstoppable, and he's a bigger dick than Lupin is. Yeah, <laughs> true. Also, Fujiko's outfit in this episode, or at least this part of it, I actually have a figure of her sitting on my TV with this outfit on. Cool. So it's like, it's always been one of my favorites mm-hmm. of hers in this series. It's I, very I think late Arsene. 60s. It is. Yeah, it is. Especially with like the uh, the exposed navel. Oh, yeah. You know, just that cut out in the middle. But yeah, I, I have, like, diamond. Yeah, I have like, a two, yeah, like a two-figure set. Uh, Lupin and Fujiko walking downstairs. Fujiko's in that outfit. Lupin's in his green jacket lighting a cigarette. Nice. And uh, yeah, I've had those things for like 16 years now. I, I, so, but yeah, like in the manga though, after uh, that happens... You know, just like in the anime, Pycow smacks her and starts trying to leave with her. But in the manga, I think he binds her hand somehow and is dragging her out that way. In in the manga, Fujiko looks down at the floor, sees Lupin lying there with his face charred, saying, "Oh, some help you were." <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of Lupin, what am I, 
I love when Pike Cow comes back, comes back out the door. Lupin Jigger just sitting there with a Gatling gun ready for him. It's like, where did they keep that? Just in a, the storeroom under the sca- the stairs, just like just in case. You I mean, come know. on. I'll say it's Lupin the Third. I mean, is that really outside the realm of possibility? <laughs> and I like I, I do like that it's a running gag throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. They just keep using more and more elaborate technology. Yeah, heavier artillery. Thank you. <laughs> you know, in, including shooting a missile at him at one point. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> with the red eye launcher, and also the bit in the I think I think one of everybody's favorite parts in the episode is when uh, it's like shortly before that when Lupin and Jigen are trying to figure out the secret of the slides. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know, know Pikeout comes in. Jigen's like, I think we should run. And and in the anime, Lupin's like, me run. Yeah, let's run. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, Pike, you know, Yamada's defeated tone sells it on me. It's, it's great. Because <laughs> he goes from, like, just, like, almost screaming. He's like, oh, right, me? Right. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> but now, that gag was a little bit differently in the, in the manga. In that, because, like, Lupin goes from being offended. It's like, me? Run? And then he just, like, saunters off the big smile on his face. Good idea. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, I, I, I don't know which one I like better. I think they're both equally funny. Me too. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting ahead of ourselves. Oh, that's okay. So, uh, Paikau brings Fujiko back to his uh, his little lodge, and we get kind of like the main plot of the episode, which was apparently Fujiko is he's gotten a hold of Paikau's film, and we get like a bit of a flashback to them in the forest, and then you you feel you realize of uh, like the nightmare scene earlier was Paikau set her and the forest on fire for not giving him the film. All right. And we also got that bit where Fujiko is tortured again. Again. For the, the second time. Which, it's not as exploitative this time, no. I guess. Because it's like, it's like you know, it's zoomed out. You don't get a whole lot of detail like it was last time. And, mm-hmm. and, and like before that, where Paikau begins to undress to get in bed with her. <laughs> you know, right. that, like that actually does have like a, and this is sort of a purpose because Fujiko tries to shoot him. Yep. You know, while he's shirtless and discovers that, no, he really is impervious to bullets, not just his clothes. <laughs> Again, like in this one, like she actually like does things, even though he's yeah, impervious. She, does. she she's not just completely helpless. Right. It's not Which, her fault. The man's oddly bulletproof. Also, uh, so something I think is interesting to note is that Pike House hideout in both the anime and in the manga is at a place called Enma Falls. Enma being a another word for or another name for Yama. Yama. Who is a uh, deity in uh, Buddhism? Ah. You know, he's the, uh, you know, he's a very wrathful god, and you know, you know, I think I believe he's a god of death, and I think they refer to him as the king of hell. Sometimes that's fitting. Yeah, he's a, uh, he's actually a major character in uh, Yu Yu Hakusho. Okay. Oh yeah. And his son's Koenma is an even bigger character in it. Well, smaller, but bigger in role. Right. But, yeah, just, like, I'm not sure if uh, the name Enma Falls is supposed to be, you know, a symbolic thing or not. But yeah. Because I, I don't think Monkey Punch is all that really big symbolism. <laughs> well, some mm. it depends on the symbolism. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, literary symbolism. <laughs> Let's see, so, Paikau questions Fujiko. She tells him the film is in Lupin's dashboard. Jigen just so happens to find it. Right. Which they take a look at it, and it's interesting. It, it, it appears to be fragmented. 
Something. information that they're not aware of yet. And then Pike breaks in the door and just tells them, you would never understand it. Like, doesn't uh, Lupin threaten to, uh, you know, that the uh, uh, slides will burn? And then Pike goes like, well, uh, yeah. Pike like, well, that's kind of what I want. Yeah, he's like, kill, basically kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, in the English version of the manga, it, it's something like that, too. It's, you know, uh, Pike out threatens to burn Lupin, jigging alive. Lupin pulls that slide. It's like, well, make sure you brown these on both sides. <laughs> and Pike goes like, brown them? I want them destroyed completely. And Lupin jigging just face palm. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you gotta give me something. Right. <laughs> but, of course, uh, Lupin jumps to a <laughs> another giant turret that was just <laughs> in the room. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, I mean, you know, lights into him. Now, hold on, was it a different turret or was it the same one? This is a, this is a different one. This is a bigger okay. turret. This is like a military turret almost. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love Jigen throwing the grenade and being so happy when he thinks it works. That's yeah, right. <laughs> I love yeah, the, it the, works. the escalation of like different like more extreme weapons and Pika just gets up every time. Why yep. don't you die? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean to be fair though, the miss you know the radar launcher does slow him down. This is you know, it does knock him it does knock him off his feet but he just gets right back up. Yep. Get knocked down, but I get up again. <laughs> <laughs> and then comes the rocket launcher. Yep. Right. <laughs> after he gets up, that's when Jigen suggests they run. Yeah. Me? Run? Let's run. Please. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> Good idea. Also, a Lupin's big maneuver. He, like, he does this giant turn. Almost hits Pykal. If it doesn't. Yeah! That'd be something, wouldn't it, though? It's like, you know, uh, firearms, explosives don't, you know, can't harm Pykal, but hitting him with a car will kill him. God, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of my favorite bits is when Lupin and Jigen hide in the forest and like it's a miracle we got away. And Jigen just looks up and screams. <laughs> and Lupin looks back. He goes, "What's wrong?" <laughs> Which they find a pie cow floating above them. In the in the uh, English version of the manga, the car is actually in the forest. That's why they run in there. Ah. <coughs> and so they run in there. Lupin gets to the car, Jigen looks up, holy shit! <laughs> when he sees Pai Cow just standing up there. That part always stuck with me. Oh. <laughs> and Pai Cow sets on their car, and interesting enough, the Mercedes SSK blows up. Yep. <laughs> Unexpected. At this <laughs> point, is it really? <laughs> the, the but it keeps going. <laughs> exactly. The sight of them driving away, Lupin's very determined, but the car is like completely bent downwards and Jigen is almost naked. <laughs> and there, there's also a bit in the hideout earlier, after Pykel left Fujiko. Mm -hmm. um, I think Jigen admits, or Jigen said that he's hungry. Yeah. And uh, and Lupin's like, Do you have anything in the fridge? Jigen's like, Well, well there's, there's one thing. <laughs> yeah, none for me, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> And then it comes up again after the car blows up because I think Lupin mentioned that he's hungry. And instead of saying anything, we just see a shot of the uh, of the squid sitting in the fridge. The octopus. Yeah. Oh, that's a type of squid, isn't it? It's, it's a cephalopod. Uh, it's a cephalopod, but it's not a squid. All right, fine. 
<laughs> I accept your re- or I reject your reality and substitute my own. That's fine too. <laughs> Let's see. So Paikau comes home and has a letter from Fujiko where she starts it. This was so long, my foolish, <laughs> my foolish magician baby. My foolish <laughs> magician baby. Brand new sentence right there. <laughs> uh, he, Interesting enough, rips the uh, rips the letter and throws it into the the watch file. I, I thought he would burn it. It's a little, <laughs> right. a little, little out of character moment there. And something I like is I don't think it was like this in the uh, in my bootleg subs, but in the uh, discotheque really, in Crunchyroll, you know, we do have this bit where Fujiko keeps referring to Paikal as baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, it, it kind of gives I feel like their whole relationship kind of has like a, a creepy stalking ex kind of vibe to it. Yeah, it does. You know, which is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you're just like, what if you've ever seen this guy? <laughs> this is true. I mean, I mean, like, you know, Lupin III's no saint, but High Cow's just that right abusive. He, yeah, he really is. Yeah. I mean, he shows no redeeming qualities whatsoever. No. I see a lot of, like, not a lot, but there are, like, some elements of the fandom who, like, really <laughs> hone in on High Cow, and I'm like, uh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, like, you know, at least, at least in the manga, they, uh, Point out that he he has at least one good aspect and that he's really really good in bed. Because yeah, I was gonna say he might put on an explosive performance. Yeah. Aha! Hey, hey, hey. hey man, nothing's hotter than the guy that can shoot fire from his hands. That's <laughs> true. Right. Pi-Cow sitting in the bed, lighting slow. He's like, here, <laughs> let me set the mood. Lights candles with his fingers. Well, I mean, there is one scene where he's like lying in bed after having sex with this woman. And I think I believe he does light a cigarette with his finger. And uh, there's also a bit in the manga where he says that, like he's getting ready to leave, and the woman who, she's not given a name in, in the manga, but you know Fujiko takes on her role in the story, and she's like, "Please come back, I want more." Paika's like, "Sorry, I I never have I never sleep with the same woman more than three times." <laughs> and she's like, "This is only the second time." He's like, "I know, you get one more." <laughs> I remember that. Like, uh, okay, uh, kind of a lot of detail, but all right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was the sixties. It was. And then as this episode kind of nears its end, you get Lupin and Jigen back at their hideout, which also, the design for this hideout um, uh, came back in the Goemon's Blood Spray. Oh, yeah! And that is the hideout oh, that right. they're Oh, that's rad. That, that, that's a really cool nod. It yeah, is. I that. That's great. But also, I love Jigen laying on the couch and Lupin just says, wake up. <laughs> he just turns. Five more minutes, Mom. <laughs> Twitch then Lupin immediately sets his butt on fire. Yep. As you do. <laughs> and at this point, I assume Lupin has stayed up. I know there's probably more time has passed, but I like to assume we just stayed up all night <laughs> and just figure this entire thing out. I know I keep going to this, but this is my thing, damn it. In the manga version, Lupin does not figure this out himself. He has a scientist in his employ that, that manages to piece all this together. Oh. He manages to replicate. Because in the manga, it's Lupin's ass to get set on fire by the scientist. And Lupin says, uh, so what about the uh, what fire? Did you figure that out? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And Lupin's just sitting there with the seat of his pants completely gone now. Smoke rising up. But I like the anime version better, where Lupin figures that out on his own. Yeah, it makes him seem smarter. Yeah, don't they establish earlier that, like, he smells something, like, off? And then, like, yes. it comes back at the end because he says he noticed he, like, smelled the specific type of fuel he used. Yeah. Right. Which, that said, something I feel like is important to note is that, 
while Lupin manages to replicate Pykow's tricks, such as his levitation by standing on a sheet of glass and shooting fire from his fingers with a miniature flamethrower, it's never established that this is actually how Pykow was doing it. This is true. Mm-hmm. So Pykow could actually be using magic. I, I, I love that ambiguity in it. Yes. It, it, it's never explicitly stated it could be either one of them. Right. You know, both Lupin and Jigen believe that he's faking it, but we're never told one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I also love how Jigen comes outside to see Lupin on the glass, and he still gets scared by it. <laughs> oh, cause, yeah, because like, Lupin like, points at him. Yeah, then you get the perspective shot of Lupin's big old feet. <laughs> yeah, Lupin points his finger at Jigen, Jigen screams, and Lupin lights a cigarette with it. Yep, yep. Smooth move. And then, then we shoot them sitting on... Oh, go ahead. You're probably going to I was just going to say... Uh... Lupin shows Jigen that it's just glass, and then they go and sit inside, laugh for a minute, and then yeah, and then they're like, "We can't win." <laughs> <laughs> the hopelessness sets in. It's yeah, like, like, well, this was fun, but we're screwed. Yeah, and as they're discussing, like, you know, what to do with the microfilm, Fujiko shoots at the window, and he's just sitting in a tree, looking awesome. Yep. Awesome. And and then and then. Lupin jumps out of a window. <laughs> After shouting, Fujiko, of course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she removed the body. He's just at the base of the tree. Oh, and let's talk about the psychedelics there. Here we go. Yes. This is where we get back in the surreal of just the head spinning. And he has, I'm, get, I'm guessing he has the epiphany then? Yes. Yes. That's when he realizes, oh, those three uh, microfilms, if you put them over each other, they make a some sort of chemical uh, thing. <laughs> I couldn't think of the word. Uh, Equation or what have you. And he just starts but, laughing like a maniac. Oh, like, yeah. It's like, I love the idea that Lupin figures this out. He gets his epiphany from a head injury. Yep. Yes. Yeah, Don't you? <laughs> or do I? I don't know. I usually spell bread burning. But, oh. um, but like, I, I don't... I don't think I remember how he finds out in the manga. I don't think they actually showed that part. But the fact that he gets it from a head injury, though, I love that touch. Me too. It's great. Then uh, Lupin decides to make his way up to uh, Paikal, and Fujiko sends Paikal a, a, a tape recorder that she snuck in there. Yep. To, to, to make him aware. And also, I love, the again, the harsh cut to uh, Paikal just going towards his plane. Well, before the tape, you know, yes. something that I kind of liked about that was that uh, Fujiko explicitly admits that she fell in love with two guys. Yes. Yep. Hmm. So, yeah, we are going to assume that one of them is Paikau and the other one is more than likely Lupin. And that kind of starts the whole, like, story of... Yes, Fujiko always falls in love with these other men, but she's still going to love Lupin no matter, like, what. She's yeah. not going to admit it. Right. She'll, ne- she'll never come out and say it, unless, you know, she's saying right. it to, <laughs> to, to, to trick her for some reason. Yeah. Right. Which, um... Or no, they're about to die. <laughs> this is true. Right. Which, hap- which happens fairly often. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, the bit with, uh, see, with, uh, Pycow jumping from the plane mm-hmm. onto Lupin's car... Shooting Lupin in the head and the car careening off the cliff. That is actually how the manga version of the story started. Oh. And it shows Paikau swimming away from the wreckage with the caption introducing him. You know, saying he is Paikaru, uh, you know, the underworld magician, yada, yada. And then there's a flashback to three months earlier. Which is okay. Yeah. And I, I, remember. I always, always kind of like that. Yeah. Because then when, it gets to this, then when it gets back to this part in the story, 
I think it says something about how, okay, now you're all caught up. I mean, it, yeah. it doesn't say it like that, but and uh, the fact that Pike Powell is shown swimming away from the car crash is important later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Lupin's hallucinations while he's under under the water. By the way, ah yes, and, and before we get to that, like the the moment when Pykow shoots him in the head is when the episode takes such a uh, drastic turn. Like and blows out your eardrums. It's a board. Like it's it's. It, am I wrong? Is it a jump scare? Kind <laughs> of is. Again, the first time I watched this, that actually, like, unsettled me. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it probably caused me to jump, too. Because you have, like, the utter, like, like the black screen, like, the flashing editing, and he just careens off the road. Yeah. And, then and that gets screech. weird. That screeching sound, it, that, that, yeah. that's what hell sounds like. It's, yep. oh, man. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. And Lupin descends to the bottom of the ocean, and yes, the hallucinations. Which, oh, yeah. Considering the uh, number of head injuries he's received in the past 24 hours, probably not too surprising now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, fell off the tree, got shot in the head, and then falls, you know, off a cliff while in a car. That's like three head injuries right there. Right, yeah. <laughs> and also, he probably can't breathe underwater, so there's probably some oxygen deprivation there, so... He probably can't. <laughs> yeah, so... So, you know, the hallucinations make a bit more sense in hindsight. Yeah, that's true. You know, because of what we have, like, Fujiko is a mermaid. Yep. Yep. And then we have And the then uh, as an octopus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or we just have Lupin just sitting cross-eyed. Just... <laughs> <laughs> he tries to reach out. He's a little faint, so let's be real. Just a little bit. Just, ah, that's weird. Well. And then he's just back outside the water, and Jigen <laughs> yeah. explicitly says, "Stop daydreaming." Yes. <laughs> Stop having. Hold on. Oh, that's great. And to get to, I think my favorite—I have a lot of favorite scenes—but I think my favorite <laughs> bits is the ending. Yes. Pykel comes home, and Lupin's just sitting there on the chair, all smug. Yes. I love that. I have a little figure of that. Oh no. That's rad. It's probably one of my favorite ones. It's like real small. It's just got the chair with him sitting backwards on it. <laughs> arm over it, holding up the little microfilm. I also, on fire. And you do. <laughs> Is Lupin burning? Yes. But I like how in the uh, in the manga, when Pycal walks in and sees Lupin there, didn't I kill you once already? Lupin's like, yeah, but before you kill me again, I have something I want to show you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> also, when, uh, when Lupin starts... Describing like what appears to be Pycow's method, Pycow goes completely blue. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like. <gasps> he gives, gives this really like adorable look where he's like, "I did it." <laughs> I'm proud. <laughs> now, in the episode, Lupin mentions that the effect of the uh, chemical wears off over time, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. In the manga, it's mentioned that you know it doesn't have a time limit. But it's not waterproof. Right. So when Pycal crashed into the water, well, when Pycal and Lupin crashed into the water and Pycal swam, you know, swam away, that washed off the coating he had on. Zoomy Lupin then escaped, went back to Pycal's hideout, and then applied another coating of it to himself. But since Pycal had just recently returned from the water, mm-hmm. you know, it was all gone. And I, I kind of like the explanation better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just makes it a little more sense than it just wearing off. It really does. Yeah. 
The, uh, I, lo I love the image of Lupin just on fire, smugly, <laughs> just <laughs> explaining. And he gets up off go. the chair, and the chair, like, crumples. <laughs> Meanwhile, Pykow just looks terrified. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the bit when he runs outside and sees Jigen levitating in midair. Oh, yes. Right. I mean, you know, considering how much that frightened Jigen, <laughs> you know, you, you know he had to enjoy getting the reverse tables. Yep. And Jigen also calls him baby. Yes! <laughs> and again, another favorite tiny moment. Paikal yes. setting Jigen on fire and Jigen just laughing. Yes. It's like he didn't want to do this this whole time. Uh, the ending of this is so much fun. Now, let's see. Now, Paikal tries to climb down the rope while on fire. Yep. And then the rope snaps and he falls and in the falls. That is a lot more dramatic than the manga version. Uh-oh. In the manga, Paikal, you know, while on, after Lupin sets him on fire... He runs away, and we see him stumbling away. And it's Lupin turns to the scientist from earlier. He's like, did he die? Probably. <laughs> and then we see uh, Lupin's like, by the way, when you spray that stuff on me, you missed a spot. <laughs> <laughs> and we see Lupin with his pants down, bandages covering his crotch. Yep. Ow. But like, yeah, the Amy version, though, it's, yeah, with the rope and the fall, it's a whole lot more dramatic. I like it better. Oh, yeah. She did. That's right after uh, Pycon and Lupin have their wizard battle. Yeah. <laughs> wizard battle. As oh, Lupin, kind of Lupin grin and Fujiko just looks horrified. <laughs> as these two men are just setting each other on fire. Just, I cast fireball. No, I cast fireball. <laughs> Counterspell. <laughs> to be fair, Lupin does have a pretty freaky looking grin on in that shot. Uh, he does. It's kind of scary. But again, not, not in a bad way. I like it. Oh, no, it's, it's cool. Oh, no, it's actually very, very hot. But... <laughs> yeah. Also, after the episode, we end up right back where we started. Jigen, uh, back at a target practice again. <laughs> and Lupin a lot the same I was just going to say, there's reusing a lot of the same footage of him from earlier, but it, it works. It, it, honestly, it does. Because the animation and, uh, is so smooth, it's like, okay, you earned this. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... You know, going back to when I first saw the episode, uh, that shot of Lupin and Fujiko on the couch together, mm -hmm. that was my uh, display picture on MSN Messenger for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a teenager, I, was like, I always, always really liked that shot. <laughs> Fujiko asks, like, you know, what was that secret chemical again? <laughs> Lupin's like, it's CO2 and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All the concussions he had just made him forget about everything. <laughs> <laughs> he gently just doesn't know. Uh, Seems legit. Of course. Lupin just wants to get a little too cozy. <laughs> I love the editing here. <laughs> Fujiko brings the vase down straight to Jigen's gunshot. <laughs> she just storms out. And then we have uh, you know, Lupin trying to pursue her. Yep. And runs into a uh, sheet of glass. <laughs> And then just falls over. Jigen picks up the glass, moves it, flies down next to Lupin on the grass. It's a nice little friendship moment, though, two of them yeah. flying there. It really is. It's a great friendship moment. And then it also ends with that slightly surreal, unsettling, haunting lullaby. Yeah. It's like, this is really peaceful. Why do I feel scared? <laughs> now, like, I know that there's a bit where the uh, butterfly lands on Lupin's index finger. Mm-hmm. I know when I first saw it, I expected him to light the butterfly on fire. <laughs> but I know that the uh, butterfly, at least in Japan, 
symbolizes uh, death and rebirth. Yeah, that makes sense. Does it? I mean, I really don't see how it relates. Well, think about it. The, the butterflies have a very short lifespan. Right. And then the, the very next year, you got a bunch of butterflies that start off as these, these caterpillars, and you grow through the cycles of life, become a cocoon, and then you're beautiful. Well, I mean, I, and then I you die that. again. I mean, I, I mean, I, I get, I get the, uh, I mean, I get the metaphor. I'm just don't see how it applies to this episode. Oh, that's a good question. Maybe because Pykal died, supposedly, or maybe because Lupin died, supposedly. Maybe ah, Lupin died when he went off the cliff. Right. Or it could just be just because it was a nice shot. It's that probably awesome. that. <laughs> now, ask me about the butterfly symbolism of Super Mario Galaxy, and we'll get somewhere. <laughs> it's, it's definitely there. This is not time to replace it for that. <laughs> okay, so these two episodes. What do we think so far? Well, we're off to a rough start. Yeah. But I... Very hit or miss. Yeah. Like, it's not but it has a, No, no. Not by any means. There's far worse oh, yeah. starts to a show. Um, I actually really enjoy uh, the Pico ep- episode probably the most out of the two. Yeah. Oh, Definitely. me too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No contest. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's come from me, someone who grew up on NASCAR racing, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and from a self-admitted car guy, right? Yep. I love me some good old cars. I love to work on them, you know. And even that car episode, if you will, was kind of lackluster to me. That's my personal opinion. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, personally, I feel like there were some things about it I liked. Mm-hmm. But, oh, sure. as, but as a whole, it just kind of fails as a as a first episode. Yeah. Sucks on the introductory introductory level. Right. Mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like the flaws outweigh the mm-hmm. outweigh uh, good parts. Because like it. it like the, the character relationships aren't fully there yet. They don't really give you an idea of who's who, except for Zenigata a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but again, there's there's little little moments that I love, like like him leaning like the car, his body completely out with a grin. And it's also yeah, me said too. That he hasn't stolen anything yet, and he's still not going to steal anything until what? Like, what, what's the first episode where he steals something? That's true. <laughs> I think it might be the Prison Break episode. It's about four episodes in. That's, oh, when, we, that's when we established that he's a, a master thief. Uh, yeah, right. I once read a review of uh, that episode that's like, just start here. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It is probably the best of these early ones. It really is. So that, And, of course, the Pi Cal episode. I assume we all feel about the same on that. Yeah. It's good. I mean, yeah. It's, like, it's, it's weird. It's dark. But it's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you know, we have a, we have a memorable villain. Uh, you know, the characters' personalities are a bit more fleshed out. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like, you know, they, they really stuck a bit more true to the source material than they did with the first episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. You know, it's it's a fairly faithful adaptation of the manga story, and the stuff that's changed is mostly changed for the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, uh, I love the again the one thing I love about it is just the weird surreal moments in it because there's parts that just throw you for a loop and you're like okay what am i watching <laughs> yeah but i i love it i i, I love th- these early episodes and they're trying to figure out what the show is going to be yeah because i feel like the tone is kind of like jumps around a little bit mm-hmm. because like especially in that first episode because like you have like the uh well i guess like going back to the fujiko stuff like it's it's 
weirdly exploitative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you also got stuff like, you know, Lupin's body count suddenly jumping up like two dozen in this first episode alone. Yep. Mm-hmm. But then you also got like the uh, the funny little slapstick gags with him dodging the logs or pretending he doesn't know Jigen or the whole bit yeah. with in the skies as a plumber. It's like it's just really inconsistent and odd. It is. They didn't quite know what the heck their tone was going to be. Right. Right, because, like, you know, the manga it was based on, you know, was a little, was a little better about it. Like, yeah. you know, it was darker and grittier, but it was also incredibly cartoony. Right. And, uh, you know, humorous most of the time, despite the uh, sense of humor being a little darker and there being more serious stories in it. But And so I feel like the, uh, I feel like, you know, these first few episodes were trying to strike that same balance that uh, the maestro did, but... Right. And I think that's partially why uh, Monkey Punch said it was his favorites. It was the most uh, faithful, if you will. Because mm-hmm. they tried to strike that balance right. like he did. And, I mean, uh, personally, I feel like Mystery of Mama in Part 2 kind of struck that balance a little better, but that's, that's fine. I mean, fair... But, I mean, I, I also see where he's coming from, too. Right. Indeed. Okay, so that about wraps us up for our second episode. We originally were planning on covering three episodes, but it is getting later than we thought it would. Time's funny like that. So we're going to call it a night f- for, uh, for the... T- call it a night for the time being. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to cut the episode here before I fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> because it's getting late. Speak for yourself. I'll sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> or later tonight. I don't know yet. I'll decide later. But to make up for that, for our next episode, we will be covering three episodes. We'll be getting into territory with uh, possible witches, prison breaks, and a uh, very angry samurai. <laughs> <laughs> the best combination. Oh, yes. Because where else are you going to find a combination like that except for here? Right. Nowhere. And that's why we watch it. Right on. That wraps us up for this episode. You can uh, find me at DrewHunter15 on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter at, at Dr. Furball. Uh, no punctuation. Um, you can also find my webcomic at weirdinacan.the-comma.org and my rarely updated Lupin the Third manga blog at lupinmanga.tumblr. And you can catch me, if you can, on Twitter at Lupon, L-O-O-P-A-W-N, or on, did I say Tumblr or Twitter? (laughs) Uh, One of them sites. You'll find me on there, uh, usually under that name, unless it's Tumblr, which is Thieving Gentleman. And then you got my uh, Teespring, if you want a cool Mm t-shirt, which is Lupon's Shop. And uh, you'll find me at um, at introverted Becca on Twitter and on Instagram. It's Becky Grace eleven thirteen. I really need to change that, but that's where you'll find me. It's adorable. I hate being it is Becky. adorable. <laughs> it's still cute. <laughs> and also, yes, please go to Jay's Tea Tea Spring. Those shirts are amazing. They are incredible. <laughs> I was wearing yesterday. Yay! Ah, wait. I wore one yesterday too. Oh dang, twinsies! <laughs> hey, right on. And you'll also find our main podcast account on Twitter at Lupon Pod, 
and on SoundCloud at LupinPod. And LupinPod. That'll do us for tonight. We'll see you again soon. Toodles. Riverdirty. See ya. Ashimotoni. Sub